Pod Morton would like to thank Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Original Cinematic is an independent production company that has made it their mission to create, produce, and promote films that are inclusive, honor women, promote the LGBTQIA community, and provide prominent positions and roles to POC actors and filmmakers, and promote the films of marginalized and underrepresented populations. These are all things that are extremely important to our podcast as well. Original Cinematic is currently accepting scripts and treatments. Both William and Dina Rush are also available via email or Zoom to discuss writing and provide input and resources to all aspiring writers free of charge. Their information will be made available in the show notes. Original Cinematic has multiple exciting projects on the horizon. Their next film, Immersion, is slated for release in early 2024. Upcoming films Fetish, Sweetener, and Run and their documentary Drag, the most targeted art form, are anticipated for 2024 releases as well. Their new award-winning film Group is currently on the festival circuit, and very generously, Original Cinematic will be providing a link for our patrons to screen the film on Zoom. It is truly an honor to partner with Original Cinematic, and we can't thank them enough for their contribution to our show. And now, back to our regularly scheduled program. Salutations! Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter-Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we are recording live from the King's Trail, discussing the 2017 psychological folk horror film, The Ritual. This film is directed by David Bruckner, with the screenplay by Joe Barton, based on the novel with the same name by Adam Neville. Filmed on location, the ritual uses its setting to its advantage, displaying both the awesome beauty and the fearful reverence of ancient lands. The ritual explores themes of grief, guilt, and the complications of long-term friendships, while still maintaining dreadful atmosphere and a mythical mystery. This film was requested to us by friends of the show, Nisa Hunter, Sigrid Toland, Jessica Hunter, Blaine Hancock, Itzy M, Kristen Lofton, Lynn Pesco-Yang, Rochelle Mason, and Katie. We want to thank them all for their support as well as this suggestion. So, what did you guys think of the ritual the first time you saw it? So, um, after a little bit of debate, uh, I think we all came to the same thing that we don't remember exactly when we watched the movie. (laughs) Not at all. But we do remember watching it when it was new and it hit Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, I do remember being... I don't want to say enchanted, but I really enjoyed the movie the first time. I will say the second time, there's not as much of a umph um, <laughs> as the first. But, I mean, that's usually with most movies. You know what I mean? Uh, there are exceptions because there are a lot of movies, too, that do give that, oh, I, I have to watch that again. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to miss something or there's something else I'm going to learn. Um, not in a bad way, but this is not one of those movies. Um 
And I well, I feel like it's a good watch. Okay. Wait some time and then watch it. You can watch it again. But you're not gonna watch it and then be like, oh my god! If you look on a shelf at whatever time, there's something. I I don't feel like this is one of those movies. Um, but I did enjoy it and I did have a good time watching it. There was some gripes I have with it. Um, but I felt like there, <laughs> that was not even uh, a period. <laughs> like no, in no that. Uh, it was barely even a comma. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'll, I feel like they're minor. I feel like they're the, my gripes are minor gripes. I don't feel like it's something that's too, too much for me to, you know what I mean? Get up in arms about. I just felt like it was things that I was like, eh, you know, well, uh, all right whatever i guess um but i i i would recommend anybody watching this movie it's a pretty good movie i as we said uh, no idea when we first watched this yeah um but i will say that i do remember genuinely at least feeling like i it was between a like and a love for me yeah Rewatching it this time for the show i think i've fallen into like okay and I the the thing is is that it has so much going for it that I enjoy a lot. Mm-hmm. I love the atmosphere, the ability of the filmmakers to create this world within this forest. Yeah, um, the feel of the forest mm-hmm. is what comes from shooting on location like this. Yeah, um, as you said in your intro, I I love the references and also um, a little bit of. Uh, influence and borrowing yeah uh the blair witch project mm-hmm. the wicker man yes. oh yeah the descent mm-hmm. yeah even the shining a little bit mm-hmm. oh, okay um and i'll try to point out certain things yeah but um i i appreciate seeing the influences of other horror films on a horror film mm-hmm. uh i think that for me again you weigh it against the brilliant cinematography i love the score i love the performances the story and the cold open are a lot. Yeah. But for me, I think that the first two acts are what I'm about. Okay. The third act, I feel like you lose me. And okay. I think it's because they, I don't know. I, I just, I like some aspects of what we see in the last portion of the film. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of shots that will stay with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and not in, for me anyway, not, not in the best way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I know there are things that are insisted upon throughout the film that kind of lend to this being what we end with. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's just, I, I like when I think of the surreal aspects of the first two acts. Yeah. Some of the things that we see, um, that shouldn't be here in this forest, mm-hmm. I'll say. I love that so much. Oh, yeah. But when we're kind of, um, and it's not, you know, I, I can't even compare it to the novel um, because I, I never read it. You did. I did. Mm-hmm. But I feel like um, so much is happening with no explanation, but not in the way that is ambiguous in the style that I enjoy. Okay. Um, I don't know what the fuck this is <laughs> and I don't really, I, I learn what it is, but it feels, and maybe that's an issue with the screenwriting for me. Okay. You know, where it feels like, um, a lot of exposition in the third act from especially one character where I don't know why you're, ta- why you're talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But that's a very flimsy explanation <laughs> as well. Yeah. So, well, you know. It's like, oh, by the way, here's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and why? Um, and what, what if we don't though? Yeah. You know. Here's some soup. But <laughs> I I just think that um 
the third act doesn't live up to what we've experienced in the first two. Okay. And the tension and the surreal visuals that we've seen are so fascinating, but they really kind of, they're like, check this shit out. (laughs) Are you finished? I think so. (laughs) But I do like it. It's just, it's just, they lose me. Okay. I lose. Lose. Or it's just not as strong. Um, it's a common. It's like it's like they're dangling me by one leg out of a window. Wow. Oh, so right. they still have me, but I'm but I'm gonna barely. die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're on borrowed time. So it's not Robitussin. It's compared to the active <laughs> yes, ingredient it's, in Robitussin. It's great value. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting reaction. <laughs> um. Yeah, like we said, we don't remember if we were together, if we were whose house we were at. We can't we can't remember <laughs> yeah. um the first time. But it definitely stuck with me. I think I am a sucker for folk horror. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um although I get it very sparingly. I mean, I'm sure that there's more out there, but I feel like it's not super prevalent. I don't know, but I really enjoy yeah. it. Uh, it stuck with me. Something that we see later on at the end, once uh, T's dangling by one ankle yeah. <laughs> in that arena, um, I never forgot it. Like, and another thing, working on this, I did not realize this came out in 2017. No, I don't yeah. know why I felt like this was like 2019, maybe very, very early 20, mm-hmm. 2020. I remember it being a lot more recent than uh, that. Just kind of. That's what I thought too. I know the time is a flat circle, whatever, but I was like 27 because we all watched this when it hit Netflix. Mm-hmm. Well, but you have to understand as well, there's about two years of time that disappeared from all of our lives. That yeah, is no, yeah. So to us, it is yeah. the so right this time. Was, yeah. This was 2019. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so much of it stuck with me. I think that the story that's being told, because we're really getting like kind of two stories here of what is happening now and what has happened in the past that we are still dealing with now. And so I was really excited to read the novel by Adam Neville to see kind of what the similarities and the differences were. And I was very shocked. We'll kind of unpack as we go. Um, the ending's completely different. Interesting. Um, and a very important aspect of the film is not in the book at all. Uh, and I, I'll wait until the very, very end. So if you don't want to be spoiled for the novel, you can you can kind of, you know, <laughs> skip. But um, we'll kind of unpack that because I, I found that very interesting from a screenwriting perspective, because I feel like what is added in the film adds so much mm-hmm. to all of the characters, to their dynamic as well. I will give you I don't understand why one character toward the end is like, listen, bitch. <laughs> i didn't really like clock that until you said that i'll give you that (laughs) but the third act doesn't lose me i remember the first time i watched this being on the edge of my seat the entire time and for what is this like an hour 33 or something like that something like that they're able to develop so much in the relationship between these the core four as it were um (laughs) it's it is really astounding and very compelling. And I remember just being fucking blown away by that third act. And I still really, really enjoy it. The, it is fucking scary. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away, but some things that we see and I agree about a sense of ambiguity, but to me, it's not necessarily negative. Okay. Um, Maybe we were given a bit, 
much by that one person. (laughs) But I feel like there's shit that we do not understand. And especially when we go to lands that we don't know, we don't. I mean, you fuck around, you find out. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. Well, they find out. They find out. They find out. And you don't always get a, a history lesson wrapped up in a package. Like you were fucking around with shit, even unwittingly, that you didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. And now you this is this is what happens. So I mean, even the wicker man. Oh yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. You dude. Yeah. Get the I, fuck out of here. I will say that you saying that think I do enjoy the relationship between the friends. This that story is good because it did there was times when i was angry at them and i'm like yeah oh, i'm not even your friend and i'm angry <laughs> and for I, your friend. I, I feel like that adds so much to like their dynamic because mm-hmm. it's like it's not all when you're friends with somebody for as long as this group has been friends there are oh these two fight a lot or, or the, you know, i mean it, it, yeah. it felt very lived in and very genuine the friendship that they have and again with such a short runtime to get that from them i think it's really commendable yeah I think I think I agree to a point as far as the dynamic. Yeah. I think for me, I feel like one character is 90% of the development. I feel like the other characters are kind of just uh, around him a little bit. Okay. Where uh, the lead obviously gets the most development as it usually is and should be. Yeah. But I feel like they're all just kind of there to inform his arc as opposed to developing themselves, which is a little... I mean, I mean, I was working on this. Obviously, I had seen this before, but I was working on this and reading the book at the same time. So maybe I got a little bit more from the book. And okay. I, but I, I, I do. I, f- I feel like it was executed pretty well. I think that's the thing that is difficult with uh, adapting a book. Right. Yeah. Because I guarantee in the book, there's so much more as far as these nuances between these four characters. Mm-hmm that I missed out on. And I, of course, from what happens at the beginning, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, feeling all of the things that they're feeling. And I know when someone says some shit that's out of pocket. Yeah. (laughs) But outside of that, I'm like, I don't really know these guys. I know they're, um, if, if they filled out like an app, a job application. (laughs) Yeah. Like I, Oh, you have children. Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know, but that's about it. I feel like what they go through in the opening of this is in lieu of the backstory as it were that you get okay Okay. because you don't necessarily understand that oh we used to be like this and we used to do that but now we do this and you two see each other but we don't see each other and this is awkward and but you don't really get that in the movie but you get this event yeah that happened and kind of the result the ruins the remnants of of what we are now there's a few times when they say little things and it kind of gives a hint of their hierarchy or kind of how they work well i mean when we get to it i was like all right yeah (laughs) we listened to one yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um speaking of the novel Adam Neville, I thought it was very interesting. I watched an interview with him and he said that he, when he was writing this, he saw it as a film. Okay. And so Joe Barton wrote the screenplay and it was sent to David Bruckner, who did Amateur Night. Yes. VHS, which we all, you know, loved. But it was sent to him and he loved it what he read and it said that immediately he went to go get the novel. He read the novel and he was like, I'm in. And he said that he agreed 
to direct May 2016, and they began prepping for production in August. Wow. And he said that it was the fastest that any project that he's ever worked on moved. Oh, very From being like, yeah, I'm in, to, okay, let's start right now. (laughs) And he credited it. This is... um, Andy Serkis's production company. Yeah. Okay. Which I thought, I was like, what? Because I saw his name in the credits. Yeah. Um, I'll explain a little bit towards the end about a facet of that production company that allowed for something very cool. Okay. Um, that we've hinted at quite a bit without saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> but it, they filmed it in Transylvania. Like we were saying, it's... Um, I There's no way that you're watching this and you're like, this is a set. Like, obviously, yeah. they went out there, but... Rafe Spall talked about um, that there were bears, that when the sun would go down, they would hear wolves, that there was an earthquake. He's like, it was cold. Yeah. Like we, They were out there. It was beautiful, though. Gorgeous. Oh, I just wanted to lay down, and, and it was like, just for even five seconds. Yeah. Let me lay down in the grass, and we feel the weather. Let me, well, you know in, in this grass. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not in the forest. No, 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 no. It really is like a cinematographer's dream. Yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful film. Well, and... um. I think it was Bruckner who said that one of the challenges with filming in like on location when it's a forest or a field or anything in nature is if you're not careful, it can just be like a flat backdrop behind your actors. And I feel like it's almost a character itself. Yeah. The way that the the trees are like clustered. I mean, it is like. It's fucking scary. Mm -hmm. And he did. He talked about in an interview, I think it was with Bloody Disgusting, about how if you film certain aspects of the forest, there's some parts that are lit more Mm -hmm. and they give you a subconscious feeling of safety. Yeah. Mm. Versus some other parts that are darker that give you this foreboding feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And they just made a lot of great choices in that exact way. Hell yeah. Yeah. But um, it debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival and Netflix bought it for 4.75 million. Oh, wow. Damn. Which was almost record breaking. I think the record was like 5 million or something from the <laughs> Toronto Film Festival. Yeah. But uh, Netflix was like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that, I, that's where we all saw it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when Netflix meant quality at the time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Not fi- shots fired or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't mean shit anymore. <laughs> Now, before we create an effigy of this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's bow down. The film opens with the sounds of a football game playing on TV and um, soccer for us. Yes. Yeah, but I feel like we're kind of doing like the metric system thing where one thousand. That's what we do. The entire world is like it's football. We're like no, no, it's this is football. (laughs) Yeah, shut the fuck up. Where the foot only touches the ball. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) rarely. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But we are suddenly in a pub where Luke, played by Rafe Spall, waits for drinks that he's ordered for himself and his friends. If I can just for a moment talk about Rafe Spall. Mm I was excited the first time I watched this because I recognized him from the White Christmas episode of Black Mirror. Yes. Okay. Which is brilliant. John yeah. Hamm. It's fantastic. Um, I did not know 
that he is the son of Timothy Spall, mm-hmm. a, the dude from, um, I was going to say, a.k.a. Peter Pettigrew yeah. from Harry Potter. He's right. in um, Sweeney Todd. He's been in a lot of shit. That's yeah. his dad. Oh, yeah, he That's was Peter cool. Banford. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It is. I remember Rafe Spall. He was the asshole teenager coworker on Shaun of the Dead. He, yes, he was. Chewing his gum. On the phone. You've got red on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is him. That's crazy. Okay, sorry. But once the bartender serves him, he gathers up the drinks and takes them over to a table where his friends wait. His friends, Phil, played by Arshur Ali, Hutch, played by Robert James Collier, Dom, played by Sam Troughton, and Robert, played by Paul Reed, ponder where they should take a trip we were talking off mic earlier because john paul was like dom uh sam troughton mm-hmm. you were like is that the guy from the terror and i think t you thought he was talking about jared harris mm-hmm. yeah. and it turns out he was in um chernobyl right which we loved but also With. was jared harris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like him they have the sense like so uh, funny. face shape yeah and Jared Harris and John Hamm, Mad Men. Yeah. Anyway. Back to White Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but Dom asks Luke where the chips are, and Luke tells him that he tried to get some from the bartender, but the bartender said that Dom's been cut off. The group laughs, Hutch telling Luke that that was harsh, but they continue to throw out suggestions. Abitha, but when it's argued that they're not too old for Abitha, Dom reminds them that that's something someone too old for Abitha would say. <laughs> <laughs> Luke suggests Amsterdam, but Hutch shuts it down. Too touristy. Dom proposes Tuscany, and Phil is intrigued. There's good wine. But Luke flat out says no. His line delivery here was hilarious to me because they're like, Tuscany, no. Berlin, nine. (laughs) You're just being an asshole. It's just uh, contrary. Yes. Dom asks Belgium, and Luke says that no one goes to Belgium by choice. Dom points out that the beers are like 42% there, but Luke still isn't convinced. Robert puts an end to the back and forth. What about hiking in Sweden? Hutch is in, but Luke shuts this down again, suggesting that they do something good instead. I saw in an interview, I think it was the Midnight Madness interview. I could be wrong, but Rafe Spall had said that they filmed all of this out of sequence and that this scene in the pub was one of the last things that they shot. (laughs) That's a palate cleanser. Yeah. (laughs) But we cut to the group as they walk outside and it's clear that Luke has lost. Robert tells them that it's the King's Trail and that it runs between Sweden and Norway. When asked if it's like the Appalachian Trail, he insists that it's more historic. Luke just rolls his eyes. Robert says that he just wants to do something different. He doesn't want to go to Amsterdam. He wants to mix it up. And Phil agrees. They're not 21 anymore. I just want to say there's a lot of things to do in Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, Jules and I have been talking about Amsterdam a lot. Something really weird, honestly, that happened. We're talking about Amsterdam, mm-hmm. but I keep getting ads for Amsterdam on Instagram. That was a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that was a mouthful. I turned into <laughs> Don't <Stewart>. just- <laughs> <laughs> But I, I'm not searching for Amsterdam, but I'm getting ads for it. Isn't that yeah. creepy? A little bit. It probably your phone probably heard you say the word. I like it. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> but it is beautiful. There's a lot to do. Yeah. Van Gogh museums in Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> What's next in the... Where do they go? Uh, well, Sam I Am says... 
When they come up to a store, Luke says that he's going inside to get a bottle. They all stop walking with him and no one co-signs his idea. To the contrary, Dom says that he can't because it's a school night. He like starts to call an Uber. Yeah. Yeah. Luke asks if anyone will come with him and gets a resounding no until he asks Robert by name and Robert agrees to go with him. Luke asks if anyone wants any sweets or anything. And again, it's a no. We follow Robert and Luke inside as Luke complains about the gathering. He asks Robert if he's noticed that it's getting harder and harder for them to have a good time when they're together. He cites Phil proposing that they have this conversation over brunch and he puts his foot down that he's not planning their guys trip over avocado toast. He's just not doing it. Yeah, but what's wrong with avocado? Yeah, I'm very offended. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this Don't is why you eat I got avocado so? toast every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> that lost a point. Didn't yeah, it? that's why I got so pissed off at this <laughs> at this picture. It's like no character, no fucking the third act. <laughs> the third act is bad or whatever. <laughs> You're already attacking me. What yeah, <laughs> this is where it fell apart. Mm-hmm. For him. It's getting personal. <laughs> I did have a question, by the way. So I read an interview with David Bruckner before they head into this uh, liquor store slash convenience store, mm-hmm. um, there are two people that walk by in the background that have their face painted like black metal musicians. Mm-hmm. He said that that was a little hat tip to the author because yeah. it's something that they couldn't fit into the film and have time for. Oh, we okay. will talk. Okay. We will talk. All right. Because I was very intrigued by that because that element would have been really neat. Mm-hmm. Were they like driving around doing cocaine out of a coke can? Or was that- <laughs> no. That was, that was a different film. Oh, fuck. <laughs> was White Wedding playing? Damn it. <laughs> but back to the avocado toast. It made me laugh because Robert's like, avocado's all right. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what the what's fuck? The what was that? What did avocado ever do to yeah. you? <laughs> Except be delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's good fat. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It is good fat. It's good for you. <laughs> But they head to the liquor aisle and Luke asks if he's really wanting to go hiking for fun. Robert really does want to go. He says that he wants to challenge himself. Luke says that the real challenge will be getting Dom on the side of a mountain. As the fluorescent light above Luke flickers, he scans for the bottle of vodka that he wants, saying that it's just a real shame what Dom has become. Robert counters that it really is such a shame for Dom to end up a successful businessman with a beautiful wife and children. That's I don't I don't know if that's saying more about Luke than it is about Dom. No, yeah, I I definitely think so. Yeah. And there are I'll talk a little bit after this scene. I'll talk a little bit more about the dynamics, but it's very much in the in the novel. I mean, um, that they were friends and everybody moved on and got married and Dom and Phil had children and they all moved away from London and Luke stayed oh. and he kind of works shitty jobs that he doesn't like i think at the time when all this happens he's working at a record store and so it's very much like oh you guys like you sold out like he keeps talking about how everybody's so out of shape and we all used to work out together and like this is what you've become like it's very much luke yeah because i i feel like he in his mind quote unquote has been left behind Mm -hmm. and so he's kind of like no it's not me it's you like you got fat like that's that's yeah him that we were younger lads back then we're not doing that no more man wait so are the other three eating avocados and then that's what it is that's why he's so mad (laughs) (laughs) um i did want to point out what you had mentioned because there is that there is that very very good moment as far as things that we'll see later in the film Mm -hmm. yes when he looks up at the flickering light Mm -hmm. you you kind of piece together how your brain perceives events yeah and what sticks out to you this i really really like that yes Mm -hmm. 
But just as Luke starts to retort to this, he notices what's behind Robert, the cashier on the floor behind the counter, breathing heavily, her face bruised and blood running down her lips. She stares right back at Luke. Robert turns to look just as Junkie, played by Matthew Needham, and Fiend, played by Jacob James Beswick, come crashing out of the back room with the shopkeeper, played by Zane Jarku. Now, just in case, because I got mad just looking at this motherfucker, just in case nobody recognized him, the one credited as Junkie is Laris from House of the Dragon. And so I'm like, I just don't like you in fucking anything, yeah. <laughs> you little piece of stool. I felt yeah, the need to write he, that in my mm-hmm. head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, he was a piece of shit Ooh. in House of the Dragon. I can't wait for season two. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, oh man, you, you got to, it. Man. It's really yeah. good. It's really good. But I was very surprised to see him here because it, this is very short. Mm-hmm. It's a small role. Yeah. yeah. I will say I was burned by Game of Thrones at the end, so that's why. We I'm, all were. Yeah. Okay. We all were. But it's really good so far. Okay. I'll check it out. But as soon as they come out, Luke scurries away to the end cap, rattling the bottles as he does. This gets everyone's attention, and the men look right at Robert. I Okay, I have, I have a couple of thoughts here. Mm-hmm. I know John Paul does too. Well, firstly, okay, so I one is a joke, and it's <laughs> at least cower quietly. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't mean that. No, yeah. I don't mean that. <laughs> because... <laughs> The reality of the situation is I fucking hate uh, Monday morning quarterbacks. Yeah. Where they'll see a situation like this and they're like, oh, well, I would have roundhouse kicked both of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you wouldn't have. You weren't there. Yeah. You don't know how you would have handled this situation. That's what right. you That's know? what makes it so hard moving forward. Right. Yes. I think I think for me what's happening here and I don't know the laws over there and I'm not. But neither one of these gentlemen have a weapon, fiend or junkie. Correct. They don't have a firearm. I don't give a shit if I I'm not afraid of you, dude. You do not have you again. Firearms are different than stabbing instruments or knives or whatever. I always carry a different knife on me, period. We know again. I don't know how the laws are over there. Mm-hmm. But again, oh, that's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> you know what I mean? Again, that's Australia. Well, but no, 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 no. But I'm talking about the knife he has. Right, right. Yeah. Because uh, Crocodile Dundee had a giant fucking knife. And I'm just saying, again, dude, your friends are outside. There's no reason why you can't. Guys are what at yeah. can see you. Yeah. Can we also talk about this being a really weird place for them to choose to rob? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's open, so right? You, densely populated, and yeah. you can see through the windows and there everything. There was a lot of foot traffic yeah. on the street. Like, yeah. That place getting robbed right now? Like, that's yeah. weird. It's just so, it it's it's one of those instances, and, and obviously it continues, but it is like that, where if w- from the outside looking in, you're like, dude, dude, like I was like head in my hands, stressed the yeah. first time I watched this. And it's like, I'm sure. And I know this is not real. These are characters. <laughs> but I'm sure that if Luke were watching this, he'd be like, oh, come on, man. You oh, know? Yeah. But yeah, when yeah. you're in the moment and and just split split second decisions of action or inaction mm-hmm. that can mean so much that you don't know you know what i mean and what's wild is it is the brain's fight or flight yeah Yeah. and there 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 is clearly i mean honestly if you if this happened on saturday night we'll say right sunday night might have been a different luke yeah yeah no that is true there's no telling and that's why whenever you know certain things come up it's like dude you weren't there yeah you don't know yeah we'll talk we'll talk 
But Junkie comes over, demanding Robert's wallet. Fiend providing backup and yelling at Robert to comply. Robert calmly hands over his wallet, and when they demand his watch, he concedes it as well. Luke continues to hide, holding the bottle of vodka in his hand like a weapon, but making no movement to strike. Junkie wants Robert's wedding ring next, but that's where Robert draws the line. He refuses, saying that it's his wedding ring, and Fiend is like... <laughs> It's not funny, but he goes, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the occasion of the ring doesn't. No, yeah. I want it. <laughs> and I just have to say for the record, just give them your fucking wedding ring. Yeah, uh, yeah we had this discussion. There is no piece of jewelry. Like, just give them the ring. Yeah, there uh, is no amount of money. There's nothing. Whatever the fuck they want, you can have it. Um, have a good night. Yeah. Remember when Roger got robbed on Mad Men? Yeah. He was like eyes down. He sucked his finger. He took yeah. the ring off. He's like, get out of here. And they yeah. were fine after yeah, that, right? Yeah, they were. Yeah. And they were very fine. They yeah. were. <laughs> <laughs> Shortly. <laughs> I can't stop talking about Mad Men. <laughs> but they yell at Robert to give it up and Fiend runs over, telling Junkie to just take it off of him. He's now brandishing a pipe. Robert looks over at Luke, still huddled against the shelves, and Luke averts his eyes, shaking his head. Okay, that part's egregious. Th this is when I'm like, dude. Yeah. I'll give you that because your initial reaction versus... Yeah. I understand. I, he said, mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think for me it's that. And and I do agree with you, Tia. In the, in the heat of the moment, you don't know what your reaction is going to be. But I feel like at, even if anything, at that point, when my friend and me lock eyes... I don't care what's going on inside my body. I need to get up. I feel like in the the matter of evening uh, the score, yeah, it would be two on two. Yeah. And you have a bottle. He yeah. has a pipe. Yeah. So, I mean, and especially seeing your friend in peril. Yeah. You kind of have to make that switch. Again, you can't say what you would do, but yeah. God damn. It's, it was, yeah. it's very frustrating to watch. And it's it's like you said, the eye contact. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's what and, it is. And he shakes his head. He yeah. shakes his head and looks down. He's like, I'm going to keep hiding him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, you, you don't want to give your ring up? <laughs> I don't want to do any of this. Yeah. I don't want to even be here. <laughs> yeah. We all make choices. And I know it's my idea that we're here. But. <laughs> and he didn't even want to go in. He's like, yeah. I, I got what I want. Yeah. <laughs> But Robert tries to tell the men that they've done enough already, but Fiend is fed up. Without further warning, he bashes Robert in the face with his pipe, and Robert goes down immediately. Junkie yells at his friend, and Fiend is like, I said I was going to do it. <laughs> Even he's like, dude. Yeah. yeah like, it's too much. It is. Like, they roughed up the people that work there, and I, I'm assuming they already got their money. Yeah. What I'm thinking as well, though, is that Phil and Dom are just watching this happen through the window, aren't they? No, I don't. I think that they're clueless. I think they're huddled on the street talking. Oh, wow. I don't think they know anything. Oh, well, that changes everything. Yeah. yeah. The windows were big, though. That's why. I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least those black metal dudes saw it, I think. They're like, they're like, our name's Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But for good measure, he bashes Robert's head in. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't realize that's what we were coming back. <laughs> jarring. <laughs> I know we were talking about it already, but that just... <laughs> it was the detour. It made it a lot worse. He bashes his head mm -hmm. just as he starts to raise it. Luke watches all of this in disbelief, horror on his face. Robert lies down on the shiny checkered floor of the shop as a pool of blood spreads from his head. The robbers drop the pipe and as it clangs to the ground, they go through Robert's pockets and one final act of indignity. 
We cut to Luke lying in a tent as the wind flutters against it. He unzips it and steps out, pulling his coat against the chill of the early morning air. We get a wide shot of the vast landscape. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We see Luke in the tents very small against the fields and thick clouds of morning mist. He lights a cigarette and we get text on screen that reads Northern Sweden six months later. Luke sits down on a rock, sitting toward four tents, his own empty and the other three inhabited. It cuts to black and we get the title in red as haunting music swells. The Ritual. So, firstly, what an opening. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 so shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sets up this feeling of guilt as a theme. Yeah. Um, you had said that this, right? Yeah. So... None of this happens in the novel. Really? Robert is not a character. They do not lose him. None of this happens. None of it. Huh. Um, we start, the book opens. I'll tell you when it opens when we get there. But <laughs> okay. they're already out here. Yeah. And it's a trip um, that they would take, like they would take trips every once in a while. And it's a situation where some of them have kind of grown apart. And, mm-hmm. and like I had talked earlier about the way that Luke kind of views specifically Dom and Phil. And I think Hutch had recently gotten married and they all saw each other at Hutch's wedding. And it was like, Oh my God, like, look at those guys. They let themselves go. Like Luke is, is very judgmental because again, they've moved on to different phases in their lives and yeah. Luke kind of hasn't. And so there's this, um, we're all together again and there's two tents and so it's like, why is Hutch sharing a tent with Dom? He should be sharing it with oh, me. Wow. We're supposed to be best friends. So it's like, oh, so Hutch stayed in contact with them. I didn't. They don't yeah. talk to me. And there's like more later on that Phil and Dom are independently going through in their personal lives that Hutch knows about. And Luke doesn't because nobody really seems to fuck with Luke except for Hutch. Huh. So it's like this weird, like complicated. Yeah, we've been friends for this long. No, he didn't really do anything to make us not friends anymore. But like we don't connect on that level anymore. Right. And I feel like for a lot of people, that's something that that's a real thing. You yeah. Know? We met and became friends when we were completely different people. I'm in this phase. You're not. And like we didn't do anything to hurt each other. We just drifted apart. Yeah. Well, the th- and I think that's what's so confusing to me is that for that theme, it is very relatable. Yeah. yeah. This idea of growing up and growing apart. Yeah. But for it to not really be in the film at all yeah and be replaced with this theme of grief and guilt Mm -hmm. that isn't in the novel Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting i think i mean there's there's a lot of um i feel and again i'm not a man but i think there is commentary about masculinity and about male relationships and i think bruckner had even said um the difficulty of maintaining oh friendships as a man in your 30s and like getting older um, there's a lot more of that. And I think that the kind of schism that Robert's death causes in this group mm-hmm. is a surrogate of that complicated relationship well, situation. I, okay. I, I think you can also have the conversation about masculinity, about how a lot of people would say they would have handled that situation. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, definitely it is a way to have that conversation. I would have liked more of the relationship. Yeah. And okay. it's like Luke, because we kind of we're mostly it's not first person or anything, but we're Luke is Luke is the main character in, in right. both. Um, in both. So 
a lot of him it's a lot of like reflection and him being like at the beginning because you know as it goes on shit starts popping off and it's not like well when we used to be you know <laughs> we're not, we're not thinking about that anymore mm-hmm. but it's a lot of like um they met at his apartment in london before they set off together and it's like i don't think that we're gonna do this again mm. I, I, and luke's perspective um i have nothing in common with dom anymore he's fucking annoying uh like he's turned into this fucking lump I, I don't want to do this again. This is probably going to be the last time we do this. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of that. And that's kind of the luxury of a novel. Yeah. Yeah. Because how do you convey that without yeah. it being like Voice very over. ham-fisted? Yeah. 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 He's like, dumb you. <laughs> and I feel like it would change the entire film. Yeah. And so yeah. I think this thing that we've been through and Luke kind of being singled out in this thing that happened. I mean, I think that it works to have like this complicated thing where these guys are over here and Luke is kind of here by himself Mm -hmm. and Hutch is trying to be a bridge, but it's difficult. Yeah. But one of the tents unzips and out pops Hutch wishing Luke a good morning and promptly lamenting how cold it is. He gets the coffee started as another tent unzips behind him. Phil comes out and when Hutch asks how he slept, he answers honestly, like I just walked up a big fucking mountain. Fair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As Dom unzips his tent, Hutch announces one night down and two to go. In an aerial shot, we see them very small, walking along a trail with dark and ominous music accompanying them. I will say, it's not a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take a shot. Take yeah. a shot. Yeah. Well, any aerial shot, I'm like, this, so I can see the influences of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it takes, man. Yeah. Literally. And we see some trees later. Yeah. yeah I mean, do. that's it. This is yeah. basically the shiny. Mm-hmm. Same story. Same yeah. <laughs> but Hutch says that this is enough to make you feel insignificant. And when Dom doesn't agree, Hutch asks where his soul is. He tells him that these mountains were smashed out by Nordic gods. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. But Dom seems to prefer the walking trails in England, though, where there are pubs. (laughs) Luke follows behind them with Phil, looking up at the awe-inspiring mountains as they go. When they stop for Hutch to consult the map, Phil says that he got these memory foam boots brand new on sale for 200 quid. Luke tells him that he still needs to break them in, though. That's just common sense. Phil stands next to a giant cross, and when Dom agrees, he says nothing. I I knew too when he said that I was like that's gonna be a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I will say and as they continue, uh, obviously the landscapes are beautiful. Oh yeah, it, this is such a noble pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah, to take and to honor the trip. Yeah, yeah. So I will say that again. This feels like the this theme of friendship as well. Mm-hmm. It does very important and very sweet. Even if we're going to complain the whole way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, that's, I'll go, but I am going to complain. Oh, hell yeah. My feet hurt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't break these boots in. (laughs) But Hutch looks up from his map, saying that he's found the place right up a near hill. They climb up what Hutch called a hill, but to me, it looks like a mountain. (laughs) Like I would be left behind. Luke and Hutch reach the top of the hill first. And although they're both panting, Luke immediately lights a cigarette. Hutch remarks that it's beautiful, but Phil and Dom trail behind them. Dom struggling the last bit and Phil literally falling to the ground. 
They decide to do what they've come to do. They set up a shrine for Robert on a pedestal of rocks, adorned with his school insignia, a photo of Robert, tea light candles, and a small stuffed animal of a dog. Fighting back his emotions, Hutch says that Robert's dog, Bo, will be up there waiting for him, but Phil bites back that he hated that dog. You know what they say, Nay. <laughs> Speak ill of, of the dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> Speak ill of the dog. Yeah. <laughs> The group stands around the shrine in silence until Hutch says that Robert was a good man. He was the best of them. Dom says quietly that it never should have happened. And Luke looks up at him guiltily before looking back down at the shrine. It's these quiet moments. And there are quite a few of them. Yeah. Where you don't need to say anything. But I know I know what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Sniffing, Hutch agrees that it never should have happened. But it did. And now all they can do is remember him. He takes out a flask and hands it over to Phil, who takes a drink. Phil hands it to Luke, who does the same. Luke hands it to Dom, who sighs deeply before taking a quick sip. He passes it back to Hutch, who takes a drink himself before pouring the rest out for Robert. When there is a comical amount of liquor still left in the flask, they stand around awkwardly until it's drained. I was going to say there are some quiet moments of comedy yes. in throughout the entire film. But again, yeah. it's very... British. Yeah. It's very dry because this was like, come on, man. Like, well, this is going on way too long. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, yeah. but it, this whole thing is heartbreaking. Yes, you know, it's like, god damn, you need that little bit of. All right, that's Something. a lot in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's like who didn't take a sip? Yeah. <laughs> Hutch puts the cap back on and tells Robert that they miss him. Dom is the first to break the circle, and when he walks away, it is not unnoticed by Luke. I will say, and I want to give kudos to the cinematographer. He's a guy called Andrew Shulkund. Mm -hmm. The framing of this shot is so brilliant. Mm -hmm. The void between yeah, yeah. Dom and Luke, mm -hmm. where Robert should be standing. Mm -hmm. Fantastic work. Yeah. That night, as Hutch, Phil, and Dom sit and make small talk among the tents, Luke stands away, alone and smoking. Hutch goes over to him and after a deep breath says that Robert would have loved this place. Luke says that they wouldn't be here though. They would have gone on some horrible trip that Robert would have hated instead. Hutch says that he said it before and he doesn't care what anyone else says. What happened was not Luke's fault. So that inclusion of I don't care what anyone else says. Yeah. Said, says a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, who's talking? Who's saying, you know? I think yeah. I know. But yeah, but I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Just to know who I don't share my coffee with. Or whatever. <laughs> You're not getting a cigarette. Yeah. Hutch's words hit Luke, but he doesn't reply. And they quickly change the subject when far over the horizon, they see the small lights of the lodge that they're headed towards. Hutch laments that he thought they were further away, and he tells Luke that once they get there, he plans to stay for a few days and do some hiking. Luke is immediately reluctant, but Hutch invites him to do the same. Since they're already here, they might as well make the most of it. Luke refuses, though. He says that this is enough for him. The next morning, as they pack up their tents, heavy rain pelts down on them, soaking not only them, but Robert's shrine as well. And this has nothing to do with anything, but since I said the words, you guys remember Heavy Rain? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Jason. <laughs> they pack up quickly and make their way down the path as the storm continues. 
I saw in an interview with Popcorn Talk, uh-huh. uh, Shulkind and Bruckner were talking about the conditions in filming with, in Romania, mm-hmm. and they uh, they actually wanted to film in Sweden, but not only were the days too short for their photography, the cost of filming in Sweden was too expensive. Oh, mm. wow. And so they settled on Romania, and the difficulty with the weather came about with filming in Romania, which is that the time that they filmed, it was snowy a lot of the time. Sometimes it was pouring rain mm-hmm. when they didn't want it to be. Yeah. And then when they want it to be, of course it's not. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so the rain that we see in the film was never natural rain. Oh, oh wow. okay. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Not at all. Because yeah. this looks legit. Yeah. Yes. And I, I assumed that they had kind of just used the conditions that were there. Yeah. yeah. But he said it never rained when we wanted it to. <laughs> Damn, of course not. Yeah. But as they cross the field, Hutch and Luke in the front and Phil and Dom still lagging behind, Phil whines that this is horrible in every conceivable way. (laughs) Dom agrees, saying that some might call this character building, but for him, frankly, Sweden can lick his bridge. (laughs) 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 And when he finishes explaining what the bridge is... Dom twists his ankle and goes down hard. Sweden's like, lick this. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's nice out there. What are you talking yeah, about? I, don't know. I, I love the quiet understanding. Phil goes, oh, the perineum. Yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Bridge. Yeah, bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, I, I get it. Yeah. Anatomically, yes. <laughs> um. But this looks painful as fuck. Yes. Yeah. And this is this happens in the novel as well. And it's very much like we had all agreed to train before we came out here and you guys didn't. Oh, and so that just kind of fosters more animosity. Yeah. I gotta be honest though. I don't think you can train against twisting your ankle. (laughs) 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 But Phil should have broken those boots. That's, that is very much preventable. They're just sitting in the box until the day before. Yeah. He's like, man, I can't wait. (laughs) 200 quid. (laughs) Well spent. He was new boot goofing, man. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to get him. He was. Yeah, he didn't want to get him dirty before. <laughs> but Dom yells in pain. Hutch and Phil lift him back up onto his feet, and they encourage him to walk and put weight on it. But as he stumbles and hobbles around, Dom tells him that he knows what happened. It's twisted, and he's also hurt his meniscus. He knows that's what he's done because he's done it before. Ever pragmatic, Hutch says that they'll just get something for him to lean on. He describes the path they're on. It goes around the mountains. That's six hours until they make camp. And then once they do, it's another eight hours before they get to the lodge. He asks Dom what he thinks. And Dom tells him in no uncertain terms that he is not walking 14 hours like this. Unsurprised, Hutch asks Phil to hand him the map. Phil asks if he also wants his phone, but he says no, as Luke points out, there's no service anyway. I look, man, I I I can take in a walk. I love those. Yeah. But even I have healthy men, menis, menisci. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not walking 14 hours. Yeah, not like that. that no. That's what they planned. Yeah. Ooh, they would have they should have talked about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't there for that plan. <laughs> I must not have been there. <laughs> 
<laughs> right, if somebody gets hurt, yeah, yeah. if you're a meniscus, <laughs> they're just and playing on your phone. You've done this before, <laughs> yeah. So you know that you're prone to this injury. That's probably something you should have disclosed. Well, this true. is like hiding a zombie bite. Yeah, yeah. We're an e brace. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't notice because the first time I was just like, oh fuck, he messed his leg up. But watching it, he does step wrong, and mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, oh fuck, it he looks, went down. Oh, oh yeah. it, it looks very painful. But Hutch takes the map and pulls Luke to the side as Phil takes out a rod that Dom can lean on. Luke asks what Hutch thinks about the situation and Hutch is already imagining them having to carry Dom around like a princess. Luke doesn't think the injury is as bad as Dom is making it out to be and Hutch immediately agrees, but they both know that that doesn't change anything. I don't know that they can make that assumption. They can't, but you know when you're friends with somebody and you're like, it's not that. Like you're dramatic as fuck. Try my knee out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's trade yeah, yeah. and we'll see what's up <laughs> no i i i did in this too for me i get it but it also he's like uh meeting come on guy and it's like wait why are y'all talking yeah. over there true you we should be so that's why i said like the hierarchy <laughs> you there's little moments where you, and it's like huh and i noticed something later and i'll point it out that i was like why the fuck is he doing that but i it was very it was a little weird that's a fair point because I'd be like, are you going over there to talk shit about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just accept it. You needed the map. Why are you over there? <laughs> but Hutch tells Luke that there is another way. They both saw it on the map last night. If they can make a straight line through the forest instead of going around the mountains like they planned, it cuts the trip in half. Luke is hesitant, but Hutch is a little excited at the prospect of off-trail hiking, and the fact that they could be making camp in the evening only sweetens the deal. I just want to point out how cool the phrase, as the crow flies. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. People should use it more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, straight. Yeah. Yeah, because the crow doesn't have to. No, he's a crow. He's yeah. a crow. <laughs> he doesn't have to take different routes or anything. But yeah, I would be Luke. I'm the prospect of this. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're excited, but you're Hutch. I'm Luke. I don't want to do oh, this. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I would be very no. excited. I'd be, a, I'm not going to lie, I'd be a little nervous. to be like, I don't know if we should go through there, but let's ride around it. You know what I mean? Or kind of like my, dip in and out or something. My, I don't know. I just, dip in and out? <laughs> well, let's see. You know, if you get in the forest, is anything creepy happening? Is <laughs> no, I'm in Australia. I'm in America. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like, I mean, it's the it's the creepiest forest you ever saw. Literally. Right. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> Even from this vantage point, it's like, uh, Hutch. <laughs> even yeah. in again. No. <laughs> Luke looks down at the thick, dense forest that Hutch is proposing they travel through, and the ominous music begins again. He has another plan. They can leave Dom and Phil here with the food, and they can go for help. Dom interrupts them, insisting that there's no way they're leaving him on a fucking mountain. He says that since Hutch knows a quicker route, they can do that. In the next scene, they are approaching the forest. Dom is panting with every step and using the rod to bear his weight. Hutch asks how his knee is and Dom snaps back at him. He's like, how's your mom or whatever? It's yeah. like, dude. Yeah. What are you, 13? <laughs> <laughs> yes. What the hell was that? I, I was concerned. Yeah. I asked about yeah. your leg. <laughs> well, fuck me then. <laughs> You're definitely not getting any of my coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dom asks if there are bears in the forest ahead and Hutch tells him, of course. Dom whines that they should have gone to Vegas. Luke notices a rusted out and broken down van and Hutch makes light of it. He, he goes, strange place to park, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, Dude, you're way too fucking yeah. chill. Like, I appreciate the energy that he brings to this group yeah. because I feel like he's the only one 
that is good with everyone. Yeah. But it's like, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, well, two things. Firstly, the first is that the van itself is a harbinger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. that's that's all we need to see. We're taking the long way home. Yes. Super yeah. Tramp. Super tramp set. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing you had said about the bears. Yeah. Um, in that interview with Popcorn Talk, Shulkind had said that Romania is apparently the most densely populated bear uh, area in Europe, mm-hmm. and I don't have to call it that. Barrier, <laughs> a barrier, yeah. barrier, the oh, barrier, right. the barrier reef. Yeah, um, <laughs> but they had security uh-huh. hired for this film as they shot the film there to keep them safe from bears. Oh wow! And so there, it was kind of funny. They were talking about a lot of the night shoots that they did, and that they would kind of move around with flashlights and there'd just be a dude there with like a sniper rifle and you're like oh yeah the bear security yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> but damn i mean you would though if you're out there you you kind of got to take precaution in a real forest yeah yeah it's Ugh. different on a set or when they're adding it later but mm-hmm. when you're really out there yeah the shots everything's beautiful it looks great but you also have to remember nature lives here yes Mm -hmm. we are in their home yes so yeah those that would be scary as fuck though it was designed for bears to live in not for us to shoot yeah that's the thing you see them watching tv leave them alone yeah Yeah. (laughs) we always used to watch naked and afraid and Mm -hmm. it's very much it's like we shouldn't be here like dude they're just living their life and it's like oh my god i hope a hippo doesn't come over it's like the hippo lives here yeah (laughs) you you shouldn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) the hippo's like god damn it i hope a reality tv show doesn't (laughs) fuck <laughs> but Hutch snaps photos of the van and Dom shares that his neighbor has a car like that and his oldest is obsessed with it. Phil chimes in that he got a hand job in one of those at a festival once and he is sarcastically thanked for his contribution. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, th- that's an old Volkswagen van. Very nice. Yes. I helped my brother in law rebuild one of those when I was like 14. Fucking fantastic. They look cool, but this one doesn't. Not that one. (laughs) And I agree with you, T. You said earlier about it being a harbinger. Yes. That that was my note. As soon as we see this, you know what, guys? I think we need to turn back. And you know, you get that like feeling in your stomach where you're like, this might be a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, it's uh, when you think of it, it's not even a newer car. No. That's parked. Mm -hmm. It's an old, broken down, probably 1960s. Yeah. Rusted out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude. There's a skeleton in there. <laughs> <laughs> if the skeleton's lucky, it's a Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dom asks again if Hutch is sure that this is a good idea, and Hutch lightly teases him for being afraid of the woods. And so they enter the forest, Hutch consulting his compass. When it doesn't move, he pauses for a moment and taps it before leading them further in. Realizing that something feels off, Phil asks if anyone else notices how quiet it is in there. Again, I am notorious for being like, let's not do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like we saw that van. We just got in here and the vibes are already off. The compass mm-hmm. is acting weird. Feels like, why is it so quiet in here? That would be enough for me, even if I'm trying to like, like when we went to that abandoned zoo. Yeah. That was not sanctioned or set up by anyone. We were just wandering around an abandoned zoo. Yeah. I'm going to be cool. I will participate. There's a line where I'm like, I will be the fucking wet blanket. I'll be the one that spoils the fun. 
I'm ready to go. And that's what happened that day. Yeah. And that's what happened right now. Well, it's clear that Blair Witch lives in there. Yes. Yeah. I, well, we don't have to do this. Even the Blair Witch let you listen to the birds chirping that's all that. That's true. You still yeah. heard nature there. Mm-hmm. They Here, were still filming. You know, like, yeah. no, this is immediately. I just, and it's again, if we're talking about signs. Yeah. The compass immediately. Yeah. 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 Immediately. But, and it's so difficult when you're with somebody like Hutch, who is so unbothered, because even um, Phil saying that Hutch is like, well, the trees soak up the sound. That's what trees do. Like, you almost feel dumb for being like, is like something's wrong here? When yeah. it's like, oh, every forest is like that. I don't fucking know. Maybe every forest is like that. <laughs> I don't know. It's his energy is very like everything is fine like don't worry about it okay and so i feel like it's very easy for you to not listen to that voice in you that is like we need to get the fuck out of here so uh podmortem psa always listen to that little voice that tells yeah. you you yeah. need to get the yeah. fuck out of here and i don't know i know that trees i mean but don't don't like you can hear like a branch break yeah, I was yeah. gonna say they make oxygen not soak up. They're yeah. not they're yeah. <laughs> they are soundproof. Yeah. Everybody knows that about trees. We should line our recording studio with, <laughs> yeah. with trees. <laughs> with trees. <laughs> we'll build that's what that's our plan. There we go. A lot of trees. Mm-hmm. Dom wants it known that the hiking was easier yesterday, but Luke points out that yesterday they weren't hiking in a forest. Hutch just tells them to keep it moving. The sooner they get to town, the sooner they can get to a bar and get drunk. He gives them a mini history lesson. Logging was big in Sweden until the 1950s, then they stopped. That's why Sweden's natural beauty is so untouched, unlike Britain, which he compares to a car park. Dom tells Hutch that if he loves Sweden so much, he might as well marry it. And when Hutch shoots him a look, he decides that he needs a break. (laughs) Again, but then I will say that this is the little... um hints of them knowing each other for forever yeah, yeah. he's probably been saying this shit to him since the 80s or yeah. <laughs> so you know when asked dom admits that his wife gail was very taken aback when he told her what the trip they were taking entailed phil puts his foot up on a stump and fiddles with his boot for a moment before hutch takes this opportunity to snap photos of him and phil poses dramatically pointing off into the horizon i loved this because Phil's not like, oh, my foot. But you know <laughs> he's fucking with this boot and trying to act like everything's fine. This dude's hurting. Oh, yeah. And I, it's just, it's so subtle. Mm-hmm. His memory foam, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll remember to break it in next <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> Lesson <Yeah>. learned. <laughs> Hutch wants a selfie to preserve the moment, but has to tell Luke to come and participate. They all take the photo together. This, my friends... The Descent. Yeah. 1,000%. And I will say that in that interview with uh, Bruckner, he had mentioned that it wasn't necessarily intentional, but as the writing process continues, you're like, this is, you know, very familiar yeah. in some ways, and it is starting to kind of have this uh, unintentional influence. Right, yeah. right. When, I mean, this is what's happening next, and these is, it's a group of friends and all this. Yeah. Sometimes it just overlaps in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Ominous tones play as we get shots of the thick and too quiet forest. Twigs snap under their feet as they make their way through a group of thin trees, all tightly congested together. Dom reports that his stomach is eating itself and Hutch agrees. He could go for a steak right now. A big, fat, juicy one with peppercorn sauce and fries and a salad. We're all hungry right now. And yeah. This is the- yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> We're hungry. Yeah. yeah. So I can't even imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know that that line was next. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we 
were just yeah, talking off like <laughs> <laughs> how hungry we are. <laughs> but he would also like some scotch and a big fat cigar at the end. Phil wants sushi. Oh. All right. <laughs> yeah. This is a little yeah. too close too to close home. To <laughs> Red wine and res- wasabi. Dom wants a Big Mac all by himself. Luke orders a chicken shish kebab. But the lightness of the moment is broken when Dom remembers how much Robert loved Donner kebabs. Every Saturday night at college, he'd be drunk and greasy eating his Donner kebab. The group moves in silence after this, but very quickly, with the accompaniment of a musical sting, they're forced to a halt when they see something hanging in the trees. Before we get to what they see and what they stumble upon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a few comments here, actually. First of all, that clatter of music sounded like in, like something from Insidious to yes, me. Yes, yeah. very much. And I appreciated it a lot. Um, the composer for this film is a guy called Ben Lovett who actually has been friends with David Bruckner since college. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which I always appreciate as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I read an interview with Rachel Reeves, and I also read an interview with The Cinemaphiles, but he often works with Bruckner. Even if he's not credited as the composer, they'll bounce ideas off each other a I lot. I love that. Oh, nice. But he scored The Signal, which was, I think, Bruckner's first film. He also obviously scored this. He scored The Night House. Oh. Okay. And he scored Hellraiser. Oh, nice. All right. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. But the interesting thing that I read in this interview was that this is obviously a UK-based production, as we had said. Mm -hmm. But in order to get the tax incentives for the film, he had to go to London to write and record the score there. Really? Yeah. Oh, twist my arm. (laughs) I guess I'll go to London. He gets to go to London. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. But it's very interesting the way that a lot of these instruments are used Mm -hmm. and i learned ben lovett is actually a self-taught musician which made me feel good as well yeah i'm a self-taught musician yeah Yeah. but he had said that he had scored the film in 60 days okay and so he was (laughs) i was gonna say forced (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i guess he said it was the most difficult um project he'd ever taken on right because he scored the entire film in 60 days that's 60 cues right and 65 minutes of music damn Jeez. and it's a lot to take on but i think that he did a fantastic job yes. right. he said it shaved a few years off of his life but <laughs> <laughs> and something that i thought you might appreciate nay is that he was the producer and he also played several instruments on an album by the band heavens which is a side project of matt skiba hell yeah I was just saying Alkaline Trio was my top played band (laughs) (laughs) on my Apple Music thing. (laughs) All right. That is interesting. Very interesting. Um, I just wanted to point out that this is where the book starts. Wow. Really? And then we take it back a few hours and then we continue forward. That's interesting. And it's such a fuck moment Uh where it's like, I mean, let's talk about it. Yes. (laughs) Inexplicably hanging in the trees is an elk, dead. It is ripped open, gutted, its entrails lying in a heap in the crunchy leaves, flies buzzing noisily as they have their fill. The elk's limbs are splayed out in four different directions, suspending it from the branches. The men cannot make sense of what they're seeing or why it was left this way. Hutch ventures that it could be hunters, but Dom is skeptical that they're using it as bait. 
Hutch says, maybe though, this is the part they don't show in the nature documentaries. Again, I appreciate the positivity question mm-hmm. mark, <laughs> but you fucking see this just as well as I do. Yeah. He's like, oh dear, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hutch, shut up. Come on, yeah, guys. That, <laughs> keep going. There's no bear. Yogi's not doing that shit. Why? That, yeah. Why? It's not like they found this, this exact thing on the ground. Yes. Okay, yeah. Maybe bears, whatever. Yeah. Why the fuck would it do that? It is very clearly put. Yeah. Placed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's get out of here. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. We made a terrible mistake. Yeah. Yes. We should have never made Sorry, it Sorry, Woods. Yeah. yeah. Or good, whatever. Good day. Yeah. Yeah. Dom can't comprehend what could have even done this. Phil suggests a bear. And when Dom has further questions, Phil snaps at him, telling him that he doesn't know. He's not a bear expert. I don't think bears work like Hannibal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking make set pieces out of... <laughs> I don't, may, prey? I don't yeah. know a lot about bears. Ursa Major, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I know. That's about yeah. it. Uh, there's black bears, brown bears, <laughs> the grizzly ones. Oh yeah, maybe it's the, this is grizzly. This is yeah. <laughs> so maybe uh, you know. I think all we right. figured it out. We got there. <laughs> As the men stare up at the horrific display, Luke lights a cigarette and points out that the carcass is still bleeding. That means it's a fresh kill, and that means they need to go. I think that's the worst thing that they've discovered. Yes. Yeah. This as it is, even if it were that it had been here for a long time, Mm -hmm. I would definitely feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Learning that it's still bleeding, definitely we're not continuing this shortcut. Whatever did this is not... (laughs) far no yeah he's wiping his knife right now <laughs> yeah that, and, and again when you're hunting you the they're usually you hang them upside down and then right. you clean them that way but yeah, this, this, is, this is, is not, not that. yeah no. this is not that this was for fun yeah but luke gets no arguments as he leads the way we zoom in on a hoof thick dark blood still dripping down i say for fun i meant more ritualistic yeah <laughs> yeah well, no, for funsies. yeah <laughs> At nightfall, they're still walking around the forest. They each turn on their flashlights as thunder rumbles loudly overhead. We cut to a full-on storm. They have to yell at each other to be heard over the torrential downpour. Dom wants to know how much further, but Hutch yells back that they should pitch the tents now. Phil takes this to mean that they're just giving up trying to make it to town tonight, but as lightning flashes and thunder cracks, Hutch states the obvious. They don't have much of a choice. I got to shout out the sound design. Yeah. Fantastic in this film. Yeah. Luke notices a rune carved into a tree. All right. So we've got the disemboweled corpse of this elk. Mm -hmm. Now we're dealing with the elder Futhark. (laughs) (laughs) This is something purposeful. Yeah. This is something that we do not understand and we should not be here. No. Yeah. I I feel like that is... whether it's good or bad, if we don't understand it, I'm taking that as some kind of a warning. Maybe yeah. we don't need to go that way. I just like, it's a sign of protection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't be safer in these yeah. ones. <laughs> Hutch, please. Again, we don't know. No. But do you want to take that chance? Uh, Will you stop being so damn positive? <laughs> <laughs> stop uplifting us. <laughs> 
But Luke gets his friend's attention and they all shine their lights on it. But when they move forward, Hutch's light catches on something else. Through the cluster of trees and the curtain of rain, the beam falls upon a house. Dom thanks Christ as he follows Hutch over to it. When they reach the front of the old wooden cabin, Hutch peers through a hole in the door. When he doesn't see anything inside, he enlists Phil to help him break the door down, insisting that they need to get undercover. Dom tries to stop him, saying that they can't just break in, but Hutch's mind is made up. This is kind of wild because this is a two-story cabin, mm-hmm. and like they look through one room, and they're like, there's nobody here. Break it yeah. down. <laughs> it's like, dude, <laughs> what? It, it does look abandoned, but a courtesy knock or a call out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anything. Anybody in there? Something. You know, we're going to come in. Anything. He's like, we got to break this door down. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They see little tiny child handprints on the inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, we're not doing this. No, yeah. fuck off. Is it Rustin Parr? Or- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but he says they can't stay out here all night. He and Phil make short work of the door and they head inside, closely followed by Dom. But just as Luke starts to cross the threshold, he hears something out in the trees. A distant and distorted roar. He whips around, shining his light into the trees, but he doesn't catch anything. The leaves rustle with movement as a screech is heard over the rain. That's a monster. There's <laughs> <laughs> That's not a natural animal. Yeah. <laughs> Hutch is like, trees drown out sound yeah. and they scream. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Yeah, if a tree screams in the woods. Yeah. And <laughs> We're around. We're not, we made a sound. So we heard it. We're not Gondor fucker. <laughs> These trees aren't getting up and walking around. Dude, we haven't heard anything the whole time. And that's what we, that's the first thing I hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. No, I just, yeah. I'm just trying just to, no. I, but I mean, I understand I would feel obviously safer in the cabin versus yeah. out there in the wilderness yeah. if I hear this noise. But at the same time, I don't know what this cabin is. Yeah. Yes. That mm-hmm. part. I, you know, and it is weird for this to just, this structure to just appear yeah. out of nowhere. And don't go in the fruit cellar. No. Don't, don't do it. Don't go in there. Norman's mother's in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luke continues to stare out until Hutch tells him to come inside because he's getting soaked. When Luke asks if he heard that, Hutch tells him that he didn't hear anything and to come on. So Luke heads inside. I will say that Shulkin's lighting of night is fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I read that they picked special cameras intentionally to make sure that night looked brilliant on this film. Okay. And it looks brilliant on this film. It does. Once the door is closed behind them, Phil remarks that this is clearly the house they'll die in. Hutch tries to joke that he stayed in worse places at university, but no one laughs. They shine their lights around, revealing runes hanging from the ceiling. Dom correctly identifies one as matching what was carved into the tree outside. So I... <laughs> best case scenario it's like, well, they did all their conjurings in Vamoost. Yeah. 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 <laughs> best. <laughs> best. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk about worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil guesses that this place is abandoned, but Hutch quickly points out a gun that was left behind. Luke is still staring out the window and he turns around to tell his friends that he doesn't like this place. Hutch nonchalantly says that he's not keen on it himself, but it's the lesser of two evils. Luke says Hutch's name seriously. He tells him that he heard something outside. Hutch tells him that he's sure he did. They're not the only animals out here. He shrugs it off. Hutch, 
We are no longer friends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> this is just, I, I understand trying to maintain a level of, I guess, calm. Right. Especially in situations that are not. Yeah. Yes. But there comes a point where you just start to piss me off. Yeah. And there, there's a point I, I understand in his role is very important mm-hmm. in being the one to uplift everyone, being the one to kind of keep it light, keep it fun. We're all right. supposed to be friends out here. But there is a point where it's like what we just fucking saw out there. There is no we're not the yeah. animals. Like, <laughs> no, we're past that. <laughs> My thing is do that, but be within reason. Yeah. yeah. Because we are seeing the same thing and experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Please don't like play it off to be where it's like, it. yeah, I know you're trying to, like you said, T, trying to keep a level head, trying to keep, and we would need to keep calm and like kind of s- scope out what's going on so we can make our, the right move. Mm-hmm. But like that too are you fucking with me man or are you <laughs> yeah. really, you really don't you're not worried about any of this shit did you carve the runes yeah did yeah. you do that i <laughs> i think just please just, <laughs> just balance it out say yeah we're not the only animals out here we also might die tonight <laughs> yeah <laughs> Give i'm me. afraid for our lives <laughs> hutch moves on intent on getting the stove working he tells him that they need wood to burn Luke cracks the door open and peeks into the stormy woods. Phil asks if they're really going to smash the place up to have something to burn. What happens when the owners of the place come back? But Dom thinks that anyone who lives here has more to worry about than their table being on fire. I got to be honest, man. Luke's view of the scraggly woods is probably... It appears more frightening from the inside. Yes. It's like the woods are closing in on us. Yeah. that I There is nothing... (laughs) Or like the woods want us in here. Yeah. Mm, even worse. Even worse. No, I don't want a sentient wood. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Pointing his flashlight at the stairs behind Phil and Dom, Hutch says that there might be something up there that they can burn. He tells Phil to go look because he's the closest, but he's hesitant. Dom offers to go with him, but Phil tells him no and heads up the stairs by himself. Yeah, not you, torn meniscus. One of you fuckers, yeah. <laughs> you come with me. You well, stay and it, down here. He's the closest by what? Yeah. <laughs> A yeah. couple inches? <laughs> Fuck you. We're all yeah, going up here uh-uh. together. Mm-hmm. There could be 10 people up there. We yeah. don't know what's in here. But the rain patters loudly on the cabin as Phil climbs the small, narrow staircase to the second floor. As he approaches a door, he gets the shit scared out of him when Dom loudly smashes a chair so that they can burn the wood. He laughs as Hutch encourages him. He calls Dom a dickhead under his breath. Luke continues to look out of the crack in the door, lightning providing small flashes in the trees. Instead of going into the room, Phil uses his flashlight to look inside. When he doesn't see anything worthy of burning, he goes to the next room. When his flashlight lands on what is across from the door, he screams at the rest of the men to get the fuck up here right now. One by one, they join Phil in the doorway, their faces going blank as they see why they were called up. Luke is last, asking, what the fuck is that? We see what their lights have fallen on. At the other end of the room, a crude figure has been made, an effigy. Its neck is a severe stump that has no head on top, and both arms are raised on either side. At the ends of these arms, there are not hands, but antlers. Phil tells them immediately, that's witchcraft. 
I am just so plainly. I yeah. mean, I but I have to say that as a viewer, mm-hmm. I'm already enjoying obviously all of the atmosphere of the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the intriguing idea of these runes. Mm-hmm. The second we stumble upon this, it's like we are in folk horror territory. Yes. Oh no, yeah. And yes. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Phil says that if he hears anything coming down the stairs in the middle of the night, but before he can even finish, Dom yells at him to stop. That would be me. Yeah. <laughs> We're not fucking speaking that shit <laughs> into the universe. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. After a beat, Hutch just says that they can stay up there if they want, but he's going downstairs to get the fire started. Phil follows behind him immediately and Don leaves after them without another word. Luke stays behind for a moment longer, scanning his light down the body comprised of sticks until it reaches its dried and withered feet. I wrote a small poem for some reason as I was writing. Okay. <laughs> uh, hands like a deer, feet like a chicken. I'm filled with fear and my stomach is sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I thought those were human feet. Oh, I thought they were chicken feet. I don't, I don't I know what the hell is going on. Word. Well, if, if they need a pedicure. If yeah. <laughs> those are, Either way. We got to get the fuck <laughs> out of here. You said feet like a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're insisting a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> they're chicken adjacent. Yes, they're referencing a chicken. We got to get out of here, guys. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Bottom yeah. line. <laughs> any, my stomach is also sick. <laughs> any feet of anything. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> no. <laughs> Downstairs, Luke points out that the thing upstairs looks like the thing they found in the tree. Hutch says that they could just be idolizing a spirit or deity. It could be an offering. Phil says that he almost offered up a shit in his pants when he saw it. <laughs> Dom says that he thought that the Nordic people worshipped Odin, but Hutch says that they don't know what is worshipped out here. They're in the middle of nowhere. When the sun goes down and it doesn't come up for six months, you're bound to go mad in the winter. I will say I'm surprised to hear that line coming from Hutch. True. Yeah. That's surprising. True. Phil and Dom agree on burning the place down when they leave and Hutch laughs, but Luke proposes just turning around and coming back the way they came when they wake up in the morning. Hutch is against this, unwilling to add another day to the trip. He says they'll just stick to the shortcut, but Dom interrupts with the words of his old scoutmaster. If a shortcut was a shortcut, it wouldn't be called a shortcut. It would be called a route. That's a great line. Yeah. And it's true. It's so true. Phil just calls him out for always pretending to be in the scouts, but Hutch gets everyone's attention again. He says that they have a map, a compass, and supplies. As long as they don't panic, they'll be okay. After some back and forth joking, they sit in silence for a moment. Phil offers up $1,000 for whoever wants to go upstairs and sleep with that thing. Hutch and Dom give a hard no and decide that it's time for bed. I had two schools of thought. Mm-hmm. The first was no fucking way. Yeah. And the second was $1,000, he said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How close do I got to sleep? Yeah. yeah. Can I sleep outside the room or do I have to be like next to it? Do I have like to be curled up at its feet? At the chicken feet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hutch announces that as soon as it's light, they're leaving. Worry etched into his face. Luke lays down in his sleeping bag without saying another word. They're all talking and kind of like, I think trying to get their bearings after the fucking scary ass thing they just saw upstairs. Luke is not saying anything. Yeah. I feel like he's the only one that's like, there is no calming this feeling. There is like, something is wrong. Well, I think the thing is, is that, I mean, how can you comfortably 
it's above our heads right now. Yep. Yeah. We don't know if anybody's coming back. Right. Yep. We don't know if, I mean, if the elk was killed like an hour ago mm-hmm. or they could minutes live here. ago. Yeah. This could be their house. Yeah. yeah. We stumbled upon it from the elk. Yes. Yeah. Okay. See, the way I was looking at it is like, he's the only one that's paranoid that they're being followed. He's mm-hmm. like, I like, it's like, he knows the rest of them aren't really saying anything about it. And, He's just because when he was he kept looking out the door. Well, he heard like, it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, he's the only one. Why is nobody worried? There should be more conversation about that screech. Yeah. yeah. But that night, as the storm rages and the men sleep, we see the strange thing upstairs. We hear light knocking, growling, harsh breathing while the rain pelts the house. Luke lies awake in his sleeping bag on the floor. The storm loud and the lightning brightening his face. Suddenly, the storm is completely silent and a very bright light shines in through the broken window. Luke gets up to investigate, gently calling out to Hutch, but everyone remains asleep. Luke opens the front door and suddenly steps into the liquor aisle in that shop six months ago, the fluorescent lighting unrelenting. I want to say, I I don't think I've ever seen a visual effect like that. No. Oh and my God. You know that it's so simply realized of just freezing the light. The, yeah. the lightning was artificial anyway. Yeah. But I've never seen anything like that. And it was very striking. That, yes. Yeah. That, I had forgot about that. And then seeing it again, I was like, that's fucking badass. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. So I did want to talk about how they filmed these sequences with the convenience store in the woods. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, it was a combination of two things. Firstly, nothing was ever shot on a stage. Wow. Really? Yeah, ever. Damn. It was all on location. Okay. And so the interesting thing is that there are times, and we'll get to that later, where it's more defined which location you're in versus the other one. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're bringing pieces of the convenience store into the woods. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are throwing dirt around a convenience store. <laughs> That's brilliant. And That's fucking yeah. great. It's just wild because every single time, it's probably the most successful thing for me. Yeah. Because it's so surreal and it's so interesting as a concept of a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk about the production designer, Adrian Curalea. Curalea actually worked on The Nun. Oh, okay. Which okay. we agreed, the production design. Yeah. Yes. Um, worked as art director, though. Okay. All right. And Wednesday. Oh, All right. okay. So pretty good little list of uh, credits. Yeah. yeah. And I believe both, if I'm not mistaken, were filmed in Romania. Oh. oh shit. All right. So it might be a location yeah. situation. That makes sense. Yeah. Great work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because this is ugh, visually, but also like emotionally. Yeah. It is such... It's so impactful. Mm-hmm. It's so intense, and it is extremely effective. Oh yeah, because you're like, oh god, yeah. like you know, ah. And there's something just so haunting about seeing something so artificial in a place so natural. Yeah. yeah. And so it's this contrast of nature, the, like dichotomy and, of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But Luke walks over and picks up a bottle, just like he did that night. But this time, there's blood swirling inside of the vodka. There's a light knocking and suddenly all of the shelving is dramatically and harshly ripped away, revealing the setting to be the woods outside of the cabin. Luke gasps for air as he looks around, realizing where he really is. A path is broken into the trees where the aisle was just snatched away, but there's no sign of the liquor store. When he notices blood seeping through his shirt, Luke pulls it down to reveal a cluster of bleeding puncture wounds in his chest. 
Inside the cabin, Hutch begins to scream. Luke runs inside and wakes up Hutch, who is screaming and in a full panic. Luke tries to be reassuring, telling him that they're just in that house in the woods. He goes over to get a flashlight, and when he comes back, Hutch is on his feet, revealing that he has wet himself. Luke shines the light over at Dom, whimpering against the wall, half asleep and half in reality. He cries out for his wife, Gail, before Luke is able to wake him fully. He shakes, his eyes wide and confused when he realizes that one of them is missing. Where's Phil? You know, honestly, even just three out of four, the fact that we're all waking up like this. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of wild. I'm surprised Hutch wasn't like, I had a dream I was being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, well, we got to get an early day started. <laughs> I'm like, Hutch, I got Wait, a hole what? in my chest. <laughs> Five of them. Um, but yeah, let's let's find Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Luke finds Phil's sweater on the stairs and goes to the second floor in the room with the thing. Phil kneels before it on the floor, raising his hands up to it. He is completely naked and his body is covered in scratches. He murmurs something unintelligible. And when Luke asks what he's doing, he slurs that he doesn't know. He pants for air in his panic as he comes back to himself. Luke asks him to get up and Phil just asks what this is. Luke tells him sincerely that he doesn't know and asks that he just get up. We get another shot of the thing. It's antlered hands raised up to the sky against the sun shining in through the window. Luke and Phil avoid eye contact downstairs as they get dressed and ready to go. Dom rushes outside, telling them all to get out of there now. So something not so chill happened last <laughs> night. <laughs> I, you know, it was bad enough with the other two. Yeah. Phil's, yours was the weirdest, man. It's the yeah. worst. It's, it's the absolute worst. I, w I did laugh a little bit at Luke. He's like, Phil, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what, doing? Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but. <laughs> I will say, and I, I, I don't think that I really felt this way watching it the first time, but re-watching it, I kind of, Phil being the one up there, I would have expected. I would have expected. Mm -hmm. I'm chilled to the bone. <laughs> I would have expected kind of a different tra trajectory for him. Okay. I will say, and I I was gonna mention it when certain actions happen. Yeah. Uh -huh. I was actually kind of disappointed at this almost unfulfilled. Yeah. You know. Um, okay. I agree, and I really, really. I love this film. I think that it is fantastic. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I think that that is a missed opportunity both in the film and in the novel. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because I feel like this really sets us up to expect something, especially when we find out kind of what is wanted and expected later on. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, that then that kind of breaks its own... Kind of? Right. So, um, but we'll, we'll talk, we can talk about that later. Once they step outside in the bright of day, they see runes carved into all of the trees surrounding the house. Dom verbalizes the realization that they shouldn't be here, and Luke agrees. This is a warning. Hutch is like, now we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Hutch I know. Yeah. <laughs> So I will I will say I take back what I said earlier where I said it seemed as if Luke was the only well-defined character. Mm. They do give Hutch a lot of this uh, trait. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give them that. Um, I do take that back. But I do still think that Phil and Dom are underdeveloped. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Dom screams, fuck, and walks away. Luke tries to reason with Hutch, proposing again that they just go back out the way they came in. 
Hutch is still saying that this is a bad plan, calling it a knee-jerk reaction. I might punch Hutch in his <laughs> yeah. face. Hutch can stay at the cabin. We're yeah. yeah, you can continue this way, I guess. No, yeah. we shouldn't split up. <laughs> we always yeah, say never but, split yeah. up. <laughs> and I will say, seeing the runes on all the trees, yeah. again, this atmosphere they're building, yeah. Yeah. fantastic. But from where Dom has walked off, he sees a path in the trees. He points toward it, but Hutch insists that that's not the direction they're trying to go in. But Dom has had it. Hutch had assured them all that they'd be out of the woods already, and that's not the case. Hutch defends himself. The storm wasn't part of the plan, but Dom emphasizes neither was that thing in the tree or this spooky fucking house. He turns his back on them, starting down the path. Hutch calls after Dom, saying that he doesn't even know where the path leads and they could end up in Norway. But Dom doesn't care. To him, a path means civilization. He only walks the path alone for seconds before Phil goes after him. And I know I I, I get what you're saying about Phil and Dom being underdefined comparatively. Mm-hmm. But there is a shift completely in Phil from the Phil that was before the house and the Phil that we get for the rest of the film. Yeah. I mean, it's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely well, different. Well, he's, he's seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> but when we see them again, they're all following Dom down the path, moving in silence and carefully measured steps. Phil breaks the silence by asking if they're really not going to talk about it because he would love to talk about it. Hutch says that he doesn't want to, but Phil pulls rank. He woke up completely naked, praying to the thing upstairs, and he would really like it if that could be explained to him. Hutch dismisses Phil's experience as a nightmare. And when Phil asks what happened to Hutch then, he says that was a nightmare too. Don't tell me. You, so we're all living in the same nightmare? Yeah, he says they all just got freaked out and had nightmares. No, no, you're just a bad friend. Don't, That's it's... That made me mad because it's like, dude, you peed your pants. Mm-hmm. I was naked praying to something. And and like this, poked. Yeah. Luke got poked in his chest. Yeah. Yeah. What, you said what? Five holes or something? Yeah. 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 Interesting. The the a pentagram, maybe. I don't yeah. know. You know? <laughs> like, who knows what's going on? There's yeah. lots of five pointed things. But, yeah. <laughs> but I just like four bad nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, really, dude? I just don't understand. I under like and that's what I'm saying or what I was mentioning earlier. Uh-huh. Yes. Let's keep a level head until we get out of here. Right. No, don't deny this experience. Yeah. yeah. That's where you're losing me. Mm-hmm. That's what I was gonna say was it it is just denial to I think just keep himself together so that we can get out of here but it is not helpful when we all experienced that mm-hmm. and you're just like nah no we didn't yeah listen to reason man you're seeing this shit too yeah mm-hmm. he, he doesn't want to i would understand if phil came to them and he was like i woke up naked praying in front of this yeah we all saw phil yeah 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 he didn't know he came too when we yes. got to him yeah yeah phil what are you doing yeah yeah <laughs> But Dom wants to move along, too, insisting that they leave the conversation alone. But Luke points out that Dom was screaming Gale in his sleep. He asks if he's ever done that before, but Dom just repeats for them to leave it alone. Phil isn't ready to abandon the conversation, though. He is sure that something made him do what he did. Even if he were having a bad dream, he never would have done that. 
Hutch finally stops walking and turns on Phil, yelling at him to stop and listen to himself. He admits to being embarrassed after being found this morning covered in his own piss. He doesn't want to psychoanalyze the situation or, according to him, play make-believe. All right, look, can we talk about the runes we found? Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the elk? Mm-hmm. There's, it's piling that up, That elk dude. was yeah. just having a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. The forest is different. Yeah. The path, yes. the what? I mean. Yeah. How, how, how did that happen overnight? There is no answer. Yeah. He says that they have real problems right now, like figuring out where the path leads. He tells Phil enough with the ghost stories and tells him that he's starting to sound like Hutch's daughters. He sets off down the path again and Phil takes in what he said before shaking his head and following. He insists again that he never would have done that. We pan out and hear a faint growling and harsh breathing in the trees as Phil continues that there is something not right here. Again with this, <laughs> it's a clear monster. Yeah, <laughs> that's following me. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know. Luke seems to be the only one with his head on straight. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Phil. And Phil. Yeah. But Phil had to be fucking stripped yeah. Yeah. <laughs> naked and praying to an idol to to Fair to join me. <laughs> As they continue down the path, Luke confirms with Hutch that according to him, they're meant to be going southwest. When Hutch says yes, Luke asks which way that is. Hutch points up to a ridge close by, bathed in light. He says that they're just walking along it. Five more minutes on Dom's path, and he's pulling rank. Dom points out small stumps protruding from the ground. He says that these are man-made, and that means they're getting somewhere. They come to a clearing where they can see another cabin. Hutch asks if they should have a look, but Dom immediately says, absolutely not. He continues down the path, insistent that they still get out of the woods today. Phil is close behind him. Luke and then finally Hutch follow. Luke telling Dom that perhaps they should stop to think about this. But Dom isn't trying to hear anything. He continues forward, wordlessly, careful on his bad knee as he uses his cane to help him along. Finally, he can't take it anymore. He drops the cane to the side and tells the group that he just needs a minute because his knee is killing him. He plops down on the ground and Phil takes a seat too, finally admitting that these were the wrong shoes to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. Yes. I will say when they passed that cabin, Mm -hmm. I was thinking it was a Blair Witch situation. Yeah. They were back. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I, I, and so part of me was pleased that it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but another part of me would be like, that'd be pretty scary. It'd be horrifying. I think it's about this time in the novel, they find a church. Mm. okay and it's abandoned it's like the wood is rotten and they go inside and the pews are very small and hutch falls through the floor and underneath the floor there's a lot of bones and some of them belong to animals and some of them belong to people oh shit and it's kind of a point where it's like okay we we got to get the fuck out of here yeah is that kind of repurposed for what we see towards the end of the film where there's clearly a congregation. Yeah. Um, that is something different. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> a different group. That's, yeah. a, yeah, that's a different situation. <laughs> but maybe, I mean, that could definitely be a nod because the, like, like I said before, the that's, endings are very, very different. Mm. That seems like it. Yeah. I yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I'll yeah. say. <laughs> we'll get to it though. <laughs> 
Hutch tells Dom that he's going to need to push past the pain barrier because they can't keep moving at this pace. Dom shoots back that he's far past the pain barrier. He's in agony, but Hutch disagrees. He's just uncomfortable. There's a difference. Look. <laughs> oh, my Come God. on, dude. Man, we saw his knee. I was yeah. going to say, in the cabin, mm. when he's undressed, his knee looks terrible. Yeah. I think that he's doing his best. Yeah. Hutch, I don't know why he's choosing to lash out now, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Should, know. Shouldn't we wrap that thing, maybe? Something. Should do or, something with it. Or, you know, do the thing where he's got the arms on your shoulders and then you're kind of, you know, yeah. share, carrying him, sharing the load. Yeah. Yeah. Dom snidely tells him that he didn't realize he was a doctor and he invites Hutch to give himself a prostate exam. Luke, swallowing his frustration, gently tells Dom to get up, but he turns toward him and offers a fierce no. Hutch says that he wants out of these woods now and Luke's calm finally breaks. Commenting that this is fucking ridiculous, he pulls off his pack and says that he's going up to the ridge to see if he can see anything. He speeds into a jog, Hutch cautioning him to only go to the ridge and back, no further. Luke agrees as he heads off. He jogs up to the ridge, maneuvering through trees and sticks. The forest around him grows lighter and brighter, but the endless trees don't stop. Luke screams out, fuck, and leans against a tree, stopping to catch his breath. He looks down into his jacket, where the punctures in his chest were this morning, but he freezes when he hears something moving and branches cracking in the distance. I thought trees absorbed sound. Yeah. How am I hearing this? <laughs> I, I like the look of all these trees like that, yeah. all lined up. The last time, I think, and this reminded me a lot because this looks like the forest where Scorpion is in Mortal was, Kombat 1. That's yeah, exactly what I was I was yes. like, oh, shit. Yeah. And this looks fucking frightening because it looks like it just goes on forever. I And it has to be a reference, right? No, yeah. <laughs> it does, though, right? If I thought of the same yeah. thing. Was, it must be. Yeah. Um, and that was what I was saying earlier about the environment being lighter in other areas. Mm -hmm. When he got up here, I thought he was safe. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was they were going to be home free. Yeah. Or something. And now the creatures up here too. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there's no refuge. Yeah. We're dead, dude. Hang out under the vine. We're yeah. yeah. Come back. Eat come some back bark and die. Yeah. <laughs> An agonizing slow death. <laughs> Luke stares straight ahead through the congested myriad of trees when something moves. What looks to be fingers. Wrapped along the side of one of the thin trees, loosen their grip and disappear behind it. This is this was too fucking much. Yeah, yeah. Although Finger, they were fingers, they were fingers. Call out again. No, mm. no, not a. No. <laughs> Why are you doing that? We gotta go build something for Dom, and we're carrying his motherfucking ass yeah. out of here. We're going fast. Say one of us is hurt. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no>. Help, <laughs> Roy. Help. Yeah. <laughs> It's the one with the glasses. <laughs> and then just run in the other yeah. direction. Done. Branches snap at a more alarming rate and something growls deeply as Luke sprints away. He makes it back to the clearing where he tells the group that something is up there. There's something in the woods. Hutch, of course, is immediately skeptical, asking if it was just an animal. Phil jumps to his feet and Dom tells them all to stop. They can't lose their heads now. He gets up and limps away from Luke. But Luke is talking quickly, sharing with his friends the bloody wounds on his chest that he woke up with. 
Dom can't handle this. He accuses Luke, saying that he was off on his own and he did it to himself. That's wild. I look, I understand that you got the situation. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that uh, I, I don't even know what yeah. to say. Because there's really no evidence of him doing anything like this. No. <laughs> or why? Or lying. And look he how, never lied. And look how they're lined up, dude. Yeah. How? Yeah. Yeah. I it's I don't know. That's just uh it's too early to start turning on each other. Yeah. Yes. This only pisses Luke off, and he asks why Dom has to dismiss everything he says. Dom tells him plainly, because I do not value your judgment, Luke. He says that he wants to get the fuck out of here, but Luke reminds him that they wouldn't even be on this path if it weren't for him. But Dom goes for the jugular, countering that they wouldn't be here at all if it weren't for Luke. Hutch tells Dom to shut up, and Dom obliges, but the air is heavy over the group. Luke wants to know what Dom meant by that, and Dom laughs bitterly, inviting Luke to track it back because he knows what he's talking about. I will say Dom's obviously in the wrong as this uh, continues even more, but they were going to go to Sweden anyway. It has nothing to do with what happened. In the- well, Luke said earlier that they probably would have talked Robert out of it. They're mm. only going for sure in memory of him because that's what he wanted. I guess that's all right. (laughs) (laughs) As long as we have her for (laughs) we can move forward. (laughs) I suppose. (laughs) Luke denies knowing what he's talking about, saying that he doesn't. He advances on Dom, pushing him hard and telling him to just come out and say it. Hutch tries to defuse the imminent explosion, but Dom points out that there's the fight in Luke, Finally, where was that with Rob? He says that Luke will fight his friends, but he won't stand up for them. His voice shaking, Luke informs Dom that he is not his fucking friend anymore. He's done with him. But Dom just holds his ground when Luke tries to walk away. He says that there wasn't a drop of blood on Luke. He calls him a fucking coward. Hutch is like, shut the fuck up, Dom. But Luke asks him to elaborate. Dom says that Robert's skull was cracked in half, but Luke came out without a drop of blood on him. Luke punches Dom in the face. I, this is, yeah, that's how it goes. I I mean, sunrise. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's literally, uh, of course, you know, tensions are high. Yeah. Uh, Even in these high tense situations, this is never something that should have even occurred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a matter of tact, really. You can yeah. you can tell that Dom has been carrying this and it just finally broke. Yeah. Um in the Like his nose. Like his <laughs> nose. <laughs> they fight as well in the novel, but it's um again the changes between them and their dynamics as a group kind of are it's apparent, but nobody's talking about it. And so it's another one of those instances where it's like, this is all the shit that I've been thinking and I'm finally going to say it. Mm-hmm. And he blames, Dom blames Luke for them being in the woods at all because they're all well off and Luke has a shitty job in a record store and this is all Luke could afford to do. Oh, wow. <laughs> we wanted to do this. We wanted to go here. We wanted to see this. We can't do it because you're fucking broke. 
And so it escalates and escalates and Luke beats his ass. Like he fucking punches them and then they keep going and then he he beats his ass. I got to and I know cuz Dom goes, "Oh, he broke my nose. Dom, you broke your own nose." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. He look, <laughs> I understand his feelings. Yes. But maybe don't put it that way. You know, no. what I mean? even if the rest of the group feels that way, don't put it that way. And if y'all are friends, don't ever say that. And you know, that's the, the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. And he's right. You're not my friend. No, yeah. no, yeah. The guilt that Luke is harboring. Yeah. And you're gonna say the shit mm. yeah. in the middle of these woods in, yeah. in the cruelest fucking way. Yeah. That, like yeah. I mean, it was just the meanest way he could have fucking said it. But Dom goes down saying that Luke broke his nose, but Hutch says that his nose isn't broken and to not start with the shit now. It's no. like, <laughs> I think yeah. uh, I think Hutch overestimates the strength of Dom's bones. <laughs> I, I don't know why that's his character trait. That's twice yeah. now. <laughs> it's not broken. <laughs> he drank all that milk all the time. <laughs> Dom says that he'll keep quiet if everyone wants him to, but someone needed to say something. They all look over at Luke, who puts his pack back on and starts to walk away. Hutch says that this is the type of thing that people fall out over, but right now they all need to be working together. He asks Luke where he's going, but he just continues forward. He catches up to him and Luke turns around. He asks Hutch if that's what he thinks too. Does he think that what happened to Robert is Luke's fault because he didn't stand up for him? Hutch answers honestly, I don't know. We watch these words hit Luke and he nods, turns and walks away. Luke has in the novel like a an anger problem mm. and it is very thinly veiled. And so like in the novel, when he runs to scout ahead and he comes back, they've barely moved. And Luke has this moment of panic where he cannot find them when he's coming back because he ran so far ahead to try to see if they were almost out. Mm -hmm. And so he's panicking because he can't find them. And when he does find them, they've barely moved and Hutch and Phil are helping Dom along and Hutch is kind of trying to lighten the mood and they're all laughing a little bit. And so he's like, are you fucking like you guys have barely moved. You're cracking jokes. You're laughing like, He's scared about what he saw. He's scared about getting lost. And so he's already very agitated. Mm. And so that fight breaks out. And like later on, he admits that he um, fought a random dude on the train on the subway and like ran away when security came. Like he's 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 got a lot going on. (laughs) (laughs) And And again, that's why it's so surprising that the element of the the beginning of the film isn't in the novel. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that makes a lot of sense is him trying to work out what he feels he didn't do. Yeah. By being Uh this version of Luke now. Yes. Mm -hmm. But without it, it's just, it's odd. Yeah. Yeah. But as night falls, the men continue to walk the path in silence, spaced far apart. When they come to a clearing, they remark that it looks like someone has been here. Hutch spots fabric poking out of the ground, and when they pull it up, it's revealed to be a tent. Inside, they find a shoe and a wallet. They open up the wallet to reveal a photo of a family, a mother, father, and son, standing and smiling brightly, and the daughter slightly off to the side with a blank expression. Luke hands the wallet over to Hutch, who pulls out a card. He reports to the group. 
It's a credit card belonging to Anna Erickson. It expired in 1984. We're all going to die here, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. That is the... Oh, my God, dude. That's so fucking scary. Honestly, I would like... If, if we pull a tent from underground yeah. and yeah. we find this here, I'm like, oh, this forest is hell. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is as above, so below. Yeah. <laughs> we're already dead. Yeah, we're done, dude. <laughs> so when did we die? Do you That's guys weird. <laughs> did the plane make it here? Yeah. <laughs> Phil suggests that this is a bad sign. Someone leaving behind their tent and their shoes. But Hutch stands up, saying that they're not going to be those people. They registered at the lodge, so when they're not there in five hours, someone will report them missing. They're on a man-made path next to a hiking trail. This is where people get found. But no one shares his optimism. Phil punches the ground in frustration, and Dom only points out that it's getting dark again. I will say this is the only time that the logic actually makes sense yeah. for Hutch to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are on a man-made path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are, you know, you did register at the lodge. Yeah. yeah. But still, can we talk about... Th- I think that's the thing. It's the balance of it. Mm-hmm. That can be true, but also this is the scariest fucking shit I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. It, and I, I feel like Hutch has done the dice move too much. You're, yeah. you're, no, I'm yeah. not even fucking listening to what you're saying logically anymore. I just hear you saying no everything's fine no everything's fine no this isn't weird no everything's fine it was just a fucking nightmare it's like no (laughs) i'm i'm not even internalizing what the fuck you're saying anymore we all camped in the ground in the 80s (laughs) (laughs) and left our wallets (laughs) there's 20 more down here that's concerning yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) but they set up camp that night Hutch wordlessly convincing Dom to eat a piece of a bar. He shines a light on Dom's knee, badly swollen and red. When he shines it at Phil, Phil is painfully pulling off his boots. When he exposes Luke, he is standing alone against a tree, smoking a cigarette. He goes over to Luke and offers him the rest of the bar. Luke thanks him, and when asked how he's doing, he dryly jokes that he's looking forward to the rescue party. Hutch laughs, but reports that Dom's knee is looking worse instead of better, and that Phil isn't looking great either. He says that Luke is the strongest, so he should try to get out and get help, and Hutch will stay behind with them. Luke asks if he's sure, and Hutch says that he is. He'll set him up in the morning and give him the compass. He instructs him to go southwest and keep southwest. Luke accepts this quest, and with a pat on the shoulder, Hutch walks away and goes to check on Phil in his tent. He inspects Phil's feet, but Luke hears something rustling in the woods. I do want to call out the beautiful shot of the moon that began this sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, But these are the worst sounds I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, the same or at least similar sounds to what I've already been hearing. Mm Yeah. Why is no one... Luke's like, huh? Well, <laughs> well, see, that was my thing. I, I, you know, okay, cool. You know what I mean? We give him this mission. You know, we'll wait it for a second or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the problem I'm having is, like I said earlier, Luke seems to be the only one who hears this motherfucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the only one that's seen something. Maybe we don't send him, or maybe. He tells us what's going on, so we know what to look for. And he's the one that was marked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just throwing that out there. Yeah. It's a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. <laughs> one he after the other. He is the strongest, though. Yeah. I mean, 
That's what he said. Yeah. That is what he said. That night, when everyone is in their respective tents, Luke takes inventory of his supplies. He freezes when he hears branches breaking, something rustling in the trees, and very obviously moving closer at a steady pace. He turns off his light and hides in the darkness of his tent as something growls outside. He slowly unzips the tent, the zipper loud in the silence of the night. He pokes his head out, looking into the trees, but just finding the darkness of the woods. Suddenly, electricity crackles and fluorescent lights come to life overhead, illuminating Robert standing in the liquor aisle with Junkie and Fiend, his hands up in surrender. Luke watches, gasping for air as Fiend bashes Robert in the head and rummages through his pockets once he goes down. Fiend looks up at him and growls, coward. Rustling in the trees grows louder and the cracking of branches echoes as Luke recedes back into his tent. The shadow of something huge passes by and when Luke looks out, one of the tents is snatched inexplicably into the air. That convenience store in the woods, Mm -hmm. seeing more of the woods than the store, it almost appearing to grow out of the woods. Yeah. It is fantastic. Oh, yeah. And the eyes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes, I did read and I need to go back. I already watched it twice and I did not have time to watch it again and look. But people are saying that you see those shining lights in the background a lot. I've heard that. I didn't catch it. But now I'm like, God damn it, I need to watch it again. (laughs) I think I caught it maybe once. I can't remember when, but knowing what it is. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, shit. That's okay. But it's it's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Luke wakes up to the sound of Phil's screams. He unzips his tent and spills out. Phil is in the middle of the camp on all fours, screaming that it was here. Luke runs to Hutch's tent and finds it ripped and empty, a smear of blood inside next to the open map. He asks where Hutch is and Phil screams that all he saw were shadows. It just took him. Luke screams out for Hutch and rips open Dom's tent, waking him with the flashlight to the face and telling him that Hutch is gone. Suddenly, Hutch's screams echo from the trees and a creature growls in return. Hutch's screams turn to shrieks before stopping altogether. They run through the trees with their flashlights, Luke screaming for Hutch. Dom stops him, telling him that they're going in circles. They're going to get lost if they keep running around aimlessly and everything they have is in those tents. He says that they need to go back to the tents and get their bearings. And Luke reluctantly listens to reasoning. He's right Mm-hmm. yeah but, but god damn that's difficult but i mean honestly if you group back you'll but then you're losing sight of the monster yeah, yeah. who and Hutch. clearly yeah yeah has taken huh yes <laughs> <laughs> as the sun rises the next morning the group is down to three luke phil and dom they walk quiet and defeated Luke leads the way, Phil helping Dom along behind him, but Luke suddenly stops in his tracks, looking up. A horrified moan is barely stifled as he gasps and averts his eyes. Phil and Dom follow suit, horrified at what they're looking up at before the question is finally asked. Is that Hutch? It is Hutch. Up in the trees, just like the mutilated elk that they saw before, Hutch is suspended on the branches and flayed open. Dom tries not to look, but he can't help himself. He falls to the ground, his composure broken as he screams out for God. Luke squeezes his eyes shut, averting his gaze from his lost friend. 
So I, Hutch is the last person I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Was going to be snatched up first. Mm-hmm. Like fucking, like Josh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and put on display like this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be Dom. Mm-hmm. And the, because I mean, I, I, in my first viewing, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is obviously going to keep happening. Yeah. And I think it's going to be Luke and Hutch at the end as the last two survivors of this friend group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for him to be taken first, unceremoniously, yeah. Yeah. it's shocking. Yeah. And it's so, like, not only is it such a loss, like, because that was a whole ass person and he has a life and mm-hmm. he he was the backbone. He yeah. was the, he was the one keeping the group together. He was also getting pretty annoying. He was getting annoying, he but again, he's the only one that was cool with everyone. Let's not make a saying out of the deck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say, Dave. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I'm just saying, not only are we in just like the scariest possible situation, mm-hmm. but the one person that brought us together and made us a group is gone. Yeah. And not only that, it's your friend. Yeah. yeah. You he know was... what I mean? We've seen the other thing, but. Yeah. This yeah. is it's a little different. Yeah. He was the straw. He was. Stir yeah. the drink. Yeah. But I will say that it only, and this is why I said I like the dynamic, but not necessarily the character development, mm-hmm. because without him there, this dynamic is completely shattered, and we do not have that center. Yeah. Like you're saying, and so it's just going to get more and more, with nothing to tamper that, Yeah. what's, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Later, they get Hutch down from the tree. His eyes are wide and sightless as he stares up from the ground. Luke's hands shake as he unclips the compass from Hutch's belt. Dom is doubled over behind him, asking if Hutch still has the map on him. Luke says no. Dom struggles to breathe, asking what they're going to tell Hutch's wife. What are they going to tell his kids? Luke turns to him, telling him that they need to calm down and get out of here. Dom says that they can't leave Hutch here, but Luke says that they can't bury him. They need to get out and send someone back for Hutch. But Dom points out that they don't even know where they are. Phil sits away from them and blurts out that it put Hutch there. It knew that they would come this way and they were meant to find him like that. Dom yells at Phil, telling him not to do this and to keep his shit together. Dom frantically grabs a bundle of sticks, adamant that he's not leaving Hutch like this, and he lays the sticks over Hutch's body. But why are you yelling at Phil? You were just freaking out too, dude. Yeah. He's like, only I made it. (laughs) (laughs) Only I can panic. (laughs) There was a a scene in the book, the scene kind of when Hutch is like, you need to go on and I'll stay with them and you go and get help. Because, like I said, the fight got really ugly with um, Luke and Dom. And he was like, your wife is a fucking bitch. Like, how are you even with her? She's trash. You're miserable. God like, at, um, at Hutch's wedding, she wouldn't even look at you. I mean, like, goes off. And so when he kind of pulls Luke to the side, he's like, look, both Phil and Dom are separated from their wives. Oh. Don't talk about their wives. Like, stop. And so it's another instance where Luke is like, how come you get to know that? And I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's, it's He's just, like, I've been talking shit the whole yeah. trip. <laughs> I called his wife a bitch, dude. But it's this, <laughs> it's this added component where they're like, okay, if the lodge doesn't call when we don't show up, your wife will. No, no. maybe she yeah. won't. Oh. And maybe Phil's wife won't either. 
So Jeez. it just adds like this, like we're fucked. When is anybody? And they talk and feels like I have a meeting next Monday and they'll probably call somebody if I don't show up for <laughs> that. Well, we'll be dead by then. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, these are family men, but they don't necessarily have somebody waiting for them either mm-hmm. back at home. So like we don't show up when we're supposed to. It's like I got to get the dad back. <laughs> <laughs> He's There's, like my girlfriend's definitely yeah. gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> there is no one to call. No. So I mean, it just really just adds to this misery and yeah. this like hopelessness. But later, Luke looks over the woods behind them before insisting that they leave. Dom stands over the sticks that he buried Hutch in, saying that they need to say something for him, but Luke says that it is going to come back. Phil doesn't need to be told twice, and after Luke repeatedly calls to Dom, he follows them too. As they walk through the woods, Phil says that it was in that house. They had the nightmares, and it followed them. Luke agrees. Phil continues that it followed them, and then it did that to Hutch. Luke asks if Phil actually saw it, but Phil doesn't know what he saw. Luke admits that he did see it. When he was on the ridge, he saw it, and the trees up there were just like the ones that they're in right now. Luke says that it was big, and Phil says that it must have been to put the elk in the tree. But Dom is trying to hold on to the fact that it could have been hunters or whoever was living in that house. Luke, though, says that no one lived in that house for years. Dom starts screaming, saying that there are houses and there are people in those houses that killed his friend. Luke tells Dom to keep his voice down. He says that there are three of them and only one of it, and he has a knife. He says that they'll keep walking the way that Hutch said until they're out of there. This finally quiets Dom, and they all agree to move forward. We zoom out of the forest as they make their way, our view finally dissolving into white mist. First of all, his claim that there is one of it mm-hmm. we have no proof of this yeah he's turning into hutch <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> somebody's got to pick up the torch yeah. <laughs> can't all be negative later they come to a stream they all drop down and drink greedily from the murky water but as they do luke spots a dropped bowl and footprints fear twisting his face he follows the footsteps to a new path Dom says that he told them there were people and Phil asks if they're going to follow them. But Dom says no. Luke agrees, pointing out that Southwest is up in the other direction. They struggle as they climb the hill in the proper direction. And our view lingers on the trees as they go until we see something huge and antlered moving behind them. Just out here in the daylight like that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Remember the hands around the tree? That's true. Let's just sit down. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. fine. We're tired anyway. Yeah. (laughs) We we won't even remember being eaten. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. (laughs) We'll have a dream and then wake up and die. Yeah. That's (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty pretty frightening course of events, I'd say. I mean, shit. In that order. (laughs) One, two, three. Yep. On the hill, Phil loses his footing and slides down, and when Luke comes back for him, he's startled. Luke encourages him to keep moving, but Phil just says that it got in his head. It made him pray to that thing in the house. Now he can't get it out of his head. Luke just helps him up and says that they're far away from that now. He holds Phil's hand as they climb the hill. Phil and Dom quickly fall to the ground, panting and in need of a break, but Luke spots a clearing ahead. He tries to get Phil's attention to show him, but Phil sits with his back to Luke, not even responding to the sound of his name. 
we get so many shots of Phil with his hood up looking away from everyone. It is chilling to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it made me think that it was going to be something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That something is happening, a change within him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> Luke runs forward and sees, off in the distance, the end of the woods. He falls to his knees in gratitude, calling back that they're almost out of it. And when he consults the compass, his voice trembles with emotion as he says that Hutch was right. But his eyes narrow when he sees lights, possible torches, brightening areas in the trees. So they've accepted the invitation. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> he heads back, telling Phil and Dom that they need to see this. But when he gets back, it's dark and Phil is standing in the clearing, shining his light around. He shines it right at Luke, blinding our view. And when he swings the light back away, something is waiting in the shadows behind him. It snatches Phil up as he screams and we hear growling and the tearing of flesh. Phil stops screaming. His flashlight rolls down the hill. There's another growl, and when Luke turns to flee, he runs right into a tree. He falls to the ground, blood running down his head. But when he sits up, we hear the buzzing of the fluorescent lights. As the lights flicker to life behind him, we see Robert lying face down and bloody trying to crawl away. The ground is a mix of grass and tile. Luke gets to his feet and runs through the shop and out the front door. There, dressed nicely and waiting on the street just as they had done that night, are Hutch, Dom, and Phil. Phil holds a flashlight in his hands and raises the beam into Luke's face, where it's match cut to his flashlight now, rolling down the hill as the creature roars. This is brilliant, Mm -hmm. perfect, amazing, no notes. No. This is so upsetting and so scary. I I loved it so much, mm-hmm. and I also was uh, when in regards to Phil, a little disappointed. Yeah, well, because he's taken like Hutch. Yeah, yeah. And, and even less ceremony. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I did really like that match cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luke stares at the light in a daze, blood still running down his face. He finally rushes over to it and picks it up, shining it around the dark trees and whispering for Dom or Phil. When the only reply he receives is a growl, he scurries away. Branches break and the growls become more distant as Luke swings the light around and catches Dom cowering behind a tree. He scared the shit out of me. (laughs) We're like, oh, Dom, why aren't you fighting the monster? Yeah. <laughs> I thought, where's the fight in you, Dom? Oh, so I thought, you won't stand up for your friends. <laughs> Weird, interesting. I don't think he can. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> Only slightly. Right. We're still going to be petty, though. No, yeah. Yeah. no absolutely. Yeah. Dom shushes him and Luke rushes over, hiding with him. When he asks Dom what the creature looked like, Dom can't really tell him. He just says that it was fast. Luke says that it's hunting them. Dom dissolves into tears, saying that he thought he was going to die and he doesn't want to die. Luke tells Dom to look at him and he vows that he will not leave him. He says that he does think that it will come back, but he thinks he found a way out. He asks Dom if he can move his leg and Dom says that he can, but a little. He asks for a piggyback, but Luke is like, we're going to have to run. (laughs) (laughs) I 
<laughs> Look, part part of me is like, you better piggyback the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not friends. I told you. I told you earlier. There's no time for that, dude. Yeah. Like, we gotta. I understand, and that was the second part. Of me. <laughs> <laughs> that became Don's friends yeah, again. Yeah. <laughs> they reunited with us. Yes, I understand. <laughs> He asks if Dom is ready and he pants, asking for just a minute. When there's a loud thudding and rustling in the trees, Luke says that they need to go on three. He counts as they keep a watchful eye on the shaking trees and then they run, Luke helping Dom along as tense music plays. But when there is a roar behind them, they stop and turn around. Suddenly, the rustling in the trees is louder and all around them. Luke trails his light around the woods until huge antlers come jutting out of the trees. They run. I appreciated that moment of dark humor Mm -hmm. when they counted to three and then they still took another second. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They immediately stumble onto a path where those little man-made stumps are alight with fire, marking the path. On the way, they see Phil suspended in the trees. Dom screams for him, but Luke tells him that they need to go, crashing and thudding and growling around them. The trees shake as they run down the path, begging for help. They come to a cabin at the end of the trail, and with no other recourse, they come crashing through the front door. They both fall to the ground, the cabin lit by a fire and folk music in another language playing on a record player. Someone with their back to them looks at a shrine. The floorboards creak as someone makes their way over to them. And just as Luke turns his head toward the person, he is promptly kicked in the face and everything goes black. This is where it becomes a different film. Okay. Mm -hmm. To me, because it feels and just, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's upsetting because I really love what they built here with the atmosphere yeah, yeah. and the woods and everything. But this just something, something happens. This is the major departure from the novel. Okay. And I'll wait until we kind of get our bearings here and we'll talk about it. All right. All right. I, I will give you that. This does feel a little different than what we've seen. Especially with everything upcoming. It just seems, mm. I don't know. It's just, and I want to... Love it because everything that came before, I'm very intrigued. Right, right. And there are aspects of what comes next that I don't dislike, Mm -hmm. but I just, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, it doesn't hold what the first two acts held. I I agree that it definitely feels different, but I I still like it. It's not perfect. Like we were talking about at the beginning, there's aspects of it where it's like, (laughs) what are you telling me? Yeah. But um, I, I'm excited to see what you both think of what the novel was okay. and how the adaptation changes from this point forward. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Luke wakes up later to Dom whispering his name. When he realizes where he is, Luke is panicked. They're in a small room and they're both chained to their spots. There is very concerning chanting and growling coming through the walls. Dom asks what it is, and Luke tells him that he doesn't know. It's like, I just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been here longer than I have. Luke is able to stand and shove some dirt away from the wooden panels of the walls. Daylight spills in, and Luke is able to peek outside. He sees a group of people cutting wood and building something. When he tells Dom, Dom only wonders what they want. He says that they've got to get out of here. And when he spots a table on the other side of the small room with glass bottles on its top, he asks if Luke can make it over there. If he can break the glass, he can use it to cut the ropes. 
Luke tries this, his restraints only letting him get close enough to the table to nudge it with his foot. But just as his foot makes contact, the door opens. <laughs> the timing was <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> Two men come inside, a parishioner and the curate, played by Hilary Reeves. They stand menacingly in the doorway until the witch, played by Francesca Mula, limps inside, carrying a mug and a bowl. Luke and Dom have retreated to their respective corners, and the witch goes immediately to Luke. She raises the mug to his lips, and after asking if it's water and getting no response, Luke drinks gratefully. The witch sets the bowl and the mug on the table and goes back to Luke, chewing on something. Yeah. Yeah. That's disrespectful that she's <laughs> yeah. so cavalier about this yeah, situation. Yeah, she's chill. Yeah. yeah. They do this five times a day. <laughs> She pulls down Luke's shirt to get a look at the wounds on his chest. With a knowing look, she opens her own shirt to reveal the very same scars on her chest. The curate says something in another language, and the witch picks her things back up and goes over to Dom. She looks him over for a moment before turning around and walking back to the door. Dom pleads for water, and Luke asks her to give him some, but she ignores him. She tells something to the curate and the parishioner, and they swiftly undo Dom's shackles and snatch him up. In the hallway, Dom is made to kneel before the witch before they bash him in the head. He cries out weakly as they bring him upstairs. Luke screams and begs for them to stop, but he hears them overhead. Dom screams and cries as something growls loudly. He slumps down, defeated, forced to listen to his friend's torture. The host, played by Maria Airwalter, comes in holding a lantern. She sets it down and tells Luke something in another language before pressing her hands against his ears and telling him in English. They're preparing for the sacrifice. It will be over soon. I was like, thanks for the spark notes, Egret. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, who's mine? Dom's who's? What? Yours? Yeah. What? what the I, fuck? Can yeah. you be more specific? Yeah. I just, I don't... <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, this is where, well, Luke closes his eyes as Dom continues to scream and the creature continues to growl. I I would just say this. I understand that you would need to not have your main character be the one naked and praying because you want to see a deterioration from the person that that happened to. But this moment of Luke being left behind yes. and Luke being let in on, they're preparing the sacrifice. It's okay. I'm going to cover your ears. I'm going to give you some water. I'll give you a little soup. It's all going to be over soon. It would make so much more sense for Luke to have been the one up there praying because he was the only one. Mm -hmm. And then, or with, he would be the only one if it wasn't Phil. Yeah, yeah. With everything that happens to everyone else, yes. uh -huh. it only makes sense. It doesn't make sense at all the way that Phil is dispatched. Yeah, if he was the one that did. Yeah. So okay. there's a lot of. I. That's my only thing. All right, I. All right. I liked watching Phil slowly, like succumbing to this horror because he was the one that was up there and i feel like you need luke in a stronger headspace for the climax of this film so i get why it wasn't luke but i feel like it would just make so much more sense if it was especially for a very important moment that comes later yeah <laughs> but later luke lies on the ground but snaps back up when the men bring dom back into the room they shackle him back to the wall and leave like nothing ever happened. I thought Dom was dead. Yeah. yeah. 
Especially the noises we heard. Yeah. yeah. Dom pants weakly. He is bloody and his eyes are blackened. Luke quietly asks him if he's okay and it takes him a moment to answer. He tells Luke that he never told him about his nightmare. He dreamed that the people here were offering him to that thing. He says its dead hands were gripping him and he saw Gale. He tells Luke flatly that he is going to die here. Luke refuses this, saying that he can't lose all of them. But Dom has accepted it, telling Luke that they're going to kill him. Luke says that he won't let them. But Dom says that Luke will get out of here and he'll burn this place to the ground behind him. He tells Luke to keep going, to not stop, to live. He asks him to tell his wife that he tried to get back to her. Crying now, Luke says that he is not doing that because he won't need to. He tells Dom emphatically, knocking his head back against the wall. But Dom has no more fight in him. I just, and I don't want to come off as rude because I like a lot of the writing. <laughs> rude! <laughs> I, I don't. I just felt like the writing here was a little cliche. Where he's like, and you tell my wife. <laughs> you well, know. I mean, you better say tell my wife. Well, yeah, no. but again, it, it, just, <laughs> it just feels like one of those moments that's like, yeah, of course, that's what is, is said here. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Anytime, anytime I have like a complaint about something, I kind of feel like a dickhead. Why? If no. It's your opinion. I no. guarantee you're not the only one that felt that way. Uh, yeah, maybe. And I punched my mic. Is that going to go in? <laughs> <laughs> I won't be able to get rid of it in the other. <laughs> So, I'm sorry if anyone heard that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, uh, it, it, I think the big dramatic character moment, I wanted it to hit harder for me. And I think it would have hit harder if, if there, I guess they have gone through some changes together. I that, don't know. That's where I'm at. <laughs> I appreciate this moment because it is those two. Mm -hmm. If it were Luke and Hutch. Uh -huh. Okay, yeah. They still have a like for each other they still respect each other when they're trying to figure shit out hutch pulls luke to the side it's just more impactful because of what dom and luke have been through and the fact where it's like none of that matters i'm not letting them do this to you we're gonna get out of this together and he's not like yeah help me help me he's like no you live you keep going you get out of here like that I, to me i was a little touched yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good moment. Well, once again, though, and he for me, it was he's telling him his dream. Yeah. So it's like, oh, OK, I understand. You've seen now. this already. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say just a couple of things on the positive. <laughs> <laughs> because I do think that the performances are great here. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I also will say as Dom saying this to him it does matter because he's basically telling him to do the same thing that he did with Rob. Yeah. Yeah. To self preservation, yeah. mm -hmm. save yourself and get out of here. Yeah. yeah. And which is a complete 180. Yeah. yeah. So I will give that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't think of that. <laughs> now punch your mic. Now <laughs> Travis out. <laughs> <laughs> But as dusk falls over the woods, Luke watches from the hole in the wall as the group brings Dom to a wooden pole they've made in the center of the settlement. They tie him to it. I This was very jarring mm -hmm. yes. for us to have this moment. And it's like, oh, no, they're putting him up there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like my dream. Yeah. yeah. I will say there is a shot of an animal skull against a very drab gray sky. Yeah. The forest and then the village. Mm -hmm. These shots are brilliant. Yes. Yeah. 
Dom looks up into the trees and sees multiple bodies, old and forgotten, suspended up in them. Something growls in the woods as night falls and the people begin to chant. Luke struggles against his restraints, and once it's fully night, the people stand with their torches. Dom laughs bitterly, telling them that they're stupid pricks and insisting that they get on with it. He hits them with the Julie James, what are you waiting for? (laughs) As if in response to Dom, something starts to move within the woods. His head snaps in that direction and a loud roar echoes. The townspeople drop to their knees and place their heads on the ground in reverence. In the room, Luke falls to his knees as he breaks his own thumb to get out of his restraints. He pulls that hand free and gets to work on the other one. Giant footsteps boom in the woods as the creature comes closer to the clearing. But suddenly, the footsteps stop just out of sight. And when something stumbles into the clearing, wearing a clean white sweater and looking confused, it's Gail, played by Carrie McLean. When Dom calls out to her, she says her husband's name, confused. Luke hears Dom call out to Gail and freezes. In the clearing, Gail approaches Dom. She cradles his bloody face in her hands and says his name lightly. Her eyes glow eerily, and we see that the creature, its human hands on either side of Dom's head and glowing eyes shining out of the darkness within it, has taken on the glamour of Gail. This was great. Oh, my God. God. Again, there are a lot of good moments even in this third act that I don't really enjoy. Yeah. That's fantastic. I will say, could you pretend to be Gale still? (laughs) 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 Until I'm gone? (laughs) I read, and I know that you have some stuff to talk about about the creature design and stuff. Mm -hmm. I won't touch any of that. I'll... You know, I'm I'm eager to learn about that. But I did read something very interesting that Bruckner said about the space where you can see the eyes inside of this thing uh-huh. that he specifically wanted it to look like male genitalia had been ripped away. And the resulting hole is where the eyes are shining out of. And I was like, what? And then when I rewatched it, I was like, it does kind of look like the fork between someone's legs. And then a big missing space. Huh. I didn't catch that on my first viewing. Neither yeah. did I. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, yeah. mate? <laughs> I'm watching all this British yeah. <laughs> What are you talking about? It's, um, it's just rubbing off. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, but looking after I read that, I was like, oh, shit. I can't, like, it makes it even scarier. So it would be a knob that was... Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Awanka. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll have to go back and look. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's not a sight I see often. But it's it's, it's specifically this shot right here. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, Some things that I did hear in an interview with Bruckner about this creature, Mm -hmm. which I think also will lead into a little bit more of what you've researched. But... They said that this, firstly, was a combination of CG and practical. Okay. Which lends itself to better performances, I think, from the actors. Yeah. Yeah. When you're actually able to see what you're interacting with, it's not a fucking tennis ball. Yeah. 
Just <laughs> <laughs> so you to- <laughs> well, I'm sorry, it gets me mad when it's like you can't a bar you have to do a blue screen. Yeah. It's a bar, Marvel. Apparently. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Find a fucking bar. So we're taking down Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> we're cutting down Marvel. If you don't hear from me, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not me. Not Marvel. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> T T yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but it it is drawn from Norse mythology. Shape-shifting creatures of animal and human parts, which we see. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is that the stunt woman that played the creature in the practical uh, portions, uh-huh. there's wire work, depending on what you need. There's crane shots with cameras to capture the height of this thing. Okay. Uh, there are prosthetics. There's a prosthetic head that she would wear for certain parts. Her hands are the hands that we see. Oh, nice. <laughs> Interestingly, and I had said that this was going to be brought up very early when we talked about Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. One of the main things of Andy Serkis's production company is they have a very good motion capture studio. Yeah, yeah I bet. You were going to say yeah. every creature needs to be played by Andy yeah. <laughs> It's a very important part of his production company. <laughs> but um, they had two mocap actors that were attached uh, with uh, like a tube. And so whenever this motion capture is put into the computer it is both parts of the creature okay because it is different aspects it's almost like centaur situation yes of different um configurations of animal and human anatomy Mm -hmm. yeah but the creature designer who worked in tandem with bruckner was a guy called keith thompson who often works with guillermo del toro okay and this creature feels absolutely yeah i can i can see that yes I did also see that Keith Thompson worked with Bruckner again on The Night House and Hellraiser. Okay. And he's also responsible for the creature design in the recent adaptation of The Boogeyman. Oh. So great work. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I love the way that the creature looks, and I'm sure there's more uh, detail as far as what um, each thing was meant intentionally. You already gave away one that was kind of shocking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very shocking. Very shocking. (laughs) But I just, I don't know. There's something, and there's a striking image that comes later that is one that will stay with you forever. Yeah. Yes. But it's just, there's something about this that just is not as successful to me as the first two acts. Okay. 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 I feel like... I'm so mesmerized by this creature that it's just like, this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I do. There's something later. I do have a question. Um, Maybe you can help me later with something they say. And then I was like, oh, big, big maybe. It kind of makes sense to some of the things that happens in the movie. Mm. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. But the creature snatches Dom up by the face before unceremoniously impaling him on a tree. Dom goes limp as the life leaves his body and the creature growls. Now, I did read online. I can't remember where I read it. But at the beginning of their journey when they're all in the tents and Luke gets out first, Hutch gets out, then Phil than Dom. Mm. So they all get out and join Luke in the order that they die. Oh, wow. And I, I thought that even... was pretty... Yeah, yeah. Me, me neither. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Is it the same order they die in the book as yes. well? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And when Luke finds the book's version of where he is right now, Dom is already gone. Mm. Okay. When he comes to the place where we're introduced to the new people, Luke is alone. Uh, which I was shocked. I wasn't expecting that. 
But Luke sits in the room horrified when the host comes in. He hides his hands as she wordlessly sits a bowl down beside him. She turns to leave, but Luke stops her. He asks if they've taken Dom's body down from the tree, but she says that they don't move the bodies. He asks what it is, and the host says that it's a god. It's ancient. It's one of the Jotun. She glances down the hall to make sure they're alone before whispering the rest to him. It's a bastard offspring of Loki, and they don't say its name. Luke asks if it's because they're afraid of it, but she tells him the contrary. They worship it. It allows them to live beyond natural life. She tells him in a hushed voice, no more pain, no more death. She informs him that his ritual begins tonight. She places an antlered crown on the table and tells him that it's a privilege to worship. Either he kneels before it or he will hang from the trees. Do you think I'm cute? Why are you telling me? <laughs> why are you telling me all of this in such an expository fashion? That's what I'm saying. It would make more sense if Luke was like chosen. Like that's why he was praying. That's why he has the the mark on his chest. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he was chosen. That's why he has the mark. Yeah, it's but just, he should yeah. have been praying. But he should. <laughs> no, I, I mean, should be I, like, but, it, but it killed my friend Phil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I, you guys have it right. <laughs> I guess I, I just from I I see where you're coming from, but I I just took it as as it was. You know, he did get you know marked. And she's like, I guess the welcome wagon or whatever. And she's like, look, dude, yeah. you know, this is what it is. Just stay calm. Now, my question. Hmm. Um, so are you telling me Loki was fucking this thing's mom or what? I don't know. Um, I mean. Can we see the mother? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, we know Loki. That's we Tom, do know Loki. That's Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> yeah. No, we yeah, know Tom yeah, Hiddleston. Yeah, that's right. Even, um, though, even though Marvel's mad at me right now. <laughs> they, they, you know, they'll come around. <laughs> that is, from my understanding, and I'm no expert, um, but from the research I did, that is for the film. Okay. That's not what the Jotun were. Right. Um, they have different versions of them. They're giants. And one version of a story that is told about them is that Odin and Thor descended from them. Okay, yes. They're not Loki's bastards, okay. quote unquote, <laughs> or whatever. But gods descended from the Jot- the Jotun and versions of the story. Okay. But Bruckner said that they kind of blended the Jotun together with um another it's it's a horse like demon called a Naklavi. Um and it's all and then like you said, they added other elements of just shit that they came up with. Yeah. So it's not like a direct this is this thing that is in mythology, it is a factor in what we're seeing okay in the ritual because i was just a little confused i was like so yeah where, where you, I met mean, a, you met this thing's mom in a bar or this yeah. thing's hair or whatever and you know loki yeah, he'd no, be out no, here no. <laughs> <laughs> it's odin son yeah yes. <laughs> but as the host turns to leave luke glimpses the same wounds in her chest that are on his he asks why me the host tells him it's because his pain is great Luke says that he's not like them and he won't live like this. But the host just says that he'll kneel before it like the rest of them. And she leaves. I And I understand. Uh, so then again, I guess their pain wasn't great. Yeah. I I mean, I guess the guilt. I, yeah. 
I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally <laughs> scratching your head. <laughs> I just, I don't know. The reasoning is lost on me, I think. <laughs> Alone in the room now, Luke frees himself and paces before slowly pushing the door open. The growling continues outside as he steps toward the main room of the cabin. He passes a room filled with camping supplies and guns, and the floorboards creak beneath his feet as he creeps forward. When we get a peek at the front door, the witch is heading inside, and he creeps up the stairs to get away from her. Outside of the room at the top of the stairs, Luke hears growling behind a door. He takes a torch from the wall before pushing the door open. As soon as he steps inside, the growling stops. The room is dark with the exception of the flame of his torch. A figure sits in the front of the room facing rows of bodies and chairs. The chairs all face the figure and are filled with dried and still corpses. Luke makes his way to the front of the room and stares at one of the bodies, a woman slumped forward. He notices the runes on her when her chest expands, filling with air. I see you guys are busy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not my fucking business. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a guest. <laughs> I shouldn't be here. I'm just going to leave this under you. And I'm yeah. going to walk away. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> In the next row, what looks to be a mummified head opens its mouth and unleashes a shriek. Luke doesn't even have the capacity to react anymore. He just immediately brings the torch to the head and lights it on fire. This was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, I'm fucking checked out. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> I, but this is, again, I feel like the vibe is kind of shifting. It, it, it does. Where it's like, it's just like, what the fuck yeah. is even, what even is this? Like, not, this, not only was this not hinted at. Yeah. <laughs> it's never even explained. <laughs> like they're at church i guess yeah. yeah um all right luke goes down the row lighting fire to the unfortunate figures crying out weakly as they reanimate outside it is clear that the cabin is going up in flames when luke goes down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> this is giving wicker man yeah uh, see Nick cage wicker man see and uh, this i literally wrote is this is where we go from 73 wicker man <laughs> <laughs> to 2006 <laughs> When Luke goes down the stairs, the witch is there waiting for him and staring at him knowingly. Not wasting a literal second, Luke just punches her in the face and she goes down. <laughs> what? She's in the way. <laughs> it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> See, can we admit that this isn't the film we started? It's not, but I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm along for the ride. He's like Dr. Hibbert through the fucking yeah. <laughs> through the picture frame. It's like, what? I'm laughing, but it's like, why? <laughs> As the parishioners head toward the front door from outside, Luke ducks into that room and arms himself with a gun. As he searches for ammo, the creature growls from the trees and everyone outside drops to the ground once again in reverence. Luke finds ammo as we watch the hooves of the creature stop next to the host, who stares up at it with her head on the ground. The creature growls something at her in another language, and when she answers it, she's snatched up. Luke hears her scream, but he manages to load the gun. He goes back into the room where he was kept and peeks out of the hole, seeing everyone lying on the ground. 
When he starts to leave, the curate stands in his way in the hallway. Luke tells him to fuck off. And when he doesn't, Luke tries to shoot, but nothing happens. The curate continues forward, reasoning with Luke in his language as Luke tries to unjam the gun. Finally, he does. The curate is shot and he falls to the ground. Embers float down from the second floor as Luke continues forward to the main room. The logger, played by Peter Lydell, stands there, staring out the front door. Luke tells him to drop his axe, and he complies, but he never looks up at Luke. He only stares out the door until he drops down into their prayer position, which is a modified child's pose in yoga. <laughs> 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 to my untrained eye. <laughs> Luke picks up the axe, and when he looks out the door, dangling legs greet him. The host is suddenly tossed aside onto the ground, her eyes having been plucked out of her head. So is that for gazing upon this thing without I humbling so. yourself? I think because she was looking yeah. up at it. Because she was chosen. She yeah. was. As well. Yeah, but don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so if they live forever, is she like a thousand? What's the deal? I don't. Yeah. She didn't say the word forever. She said beyond natural life. Okay, well. We so have this some could yeah. be assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not giving all the answers. Hey, I thought the same thing though. Yeah. yeah. The house burning down behind him, Luke stares as the creature, its hooves and legs visible, squats down to reveal the darkness where the glowing eyes peek out as its human hands grip the sides of the door. Those hands are fucking terrifying. Yeah. What's odd is that they are the they should be the least terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But there's something so startling about mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Luke runs the other way and bursts through the burning wall on the other side of the house. That was kind of funny, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't need the front door. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> he runs until he falls and stares back. He finally sees the entire creature silhouetted against the burning building. It is the shape of a giant deer, but its front legs are bent backwards. Its back is long and adorned with spiky peaks. The antlers raise from its head like shrugging arms. Its head droops down long, and its center is the collection of darkness where the glowing eyes peek out. On other side of this are the false human arms and hands, and now they hold up the body of the host. And this is one of the shots that will kind of stay with you. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's... um really just selling his trip to sweden <laughs> i think <laughs> this this was an event oh yeah i did read something that ben white it said he was the vfx supervisor hmm. he said that he was um very drawn to this because you don't fully see the creature until the third act and that made him think of jaws ah, ah okay right on all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay i i mean i prefer the surreal beginning but <laughs> dumbstruck luke raises the gun and shoots the creature it drops the body and turns toward him now luke runs away but the creature roars and races toward him when luke turns around though it's gone instead illuminating the pathway is a set of impossibly suspended fluorescent lights Luke runs through, passing randomly spaced shelves of liquor as he goes. 
It's like, oh, sweet. I could just hide in this liquor store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great at that. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Nice, dude. <laughs> wow, nay, jeez. <laughs> but, mm. but the visions all make sense then. If it's Loki's kid, that's he's the Lord of Mischief. So he's, yeah, he's, he's making tricks. Them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The creature sprints behind the shelves, knocking one over as it makes a run at Luke, colliding into him and knocking him away. Luke crashes to the ground, spitting blood. He pulls himself to his bare feet and turns around to find the creature standing stoic under the light fixture. He turns away, but the creature grabs him with its human hands. It raises Luke to meet its horrible eyes, but Luke pulls himself downward, and when the creature drops him, he falls into prayer position. The creature lowers itself as well before standing impossibly tall on its two back legs. Its antlers become the arms, stretched out, and its human hands come together in a high symbol of prayer against the night sky. This is everything. Is this the shot where from Luke's vantage point, it looks like exactly what they found in the attic of that cabin? I believe so. Yeah. That's pretty wild. It's terrifying. Yeah. So this is what they were. This was the effigy. Yes. Yes. And it's only visible this way if you're kneeling to it. Mm. Ah, okay. Luke raises to his feet and the creature charges at him, forcing him back down onto the ground and pressing its human hands against Luke's head. In Luke's sight as he looks forward, Robert lies beaten, face down in the dirt before turning toward him. Luke spots the axe before rising defiantly to his feet again. And when the creature lunges to put him back down, Luke chops it. Why? Like, <laughs> you're he doing said great. He's, he's <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like, want to live like them. He said, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but kneel enough to get away. <laughs> Wait, kneel uh, and scoop back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Skinner when Homer was the, the head of the stonecutters. <laughs> it's momentarily taken aback, giving Luke enough time to run out of the trees before it can catch him. Luke stands just outside the tree line where the creature cannot cross. It stands in the trees, growling at him, and all Luke can do is scream and growl back. With the sun now shining overhead, Luke walks the field alone. In the distance, we see a car making its way down a road. Undeterred with everything that he's been through, bloody and scarred and forever changed, Luke marches forward. It cuts to black and the credits roll. Again, the shot of the sunrise, absolutely beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is a shame that literally they just had to step out of this boundary of the woods. Yeah. And they would have been fine. Yeah. So that's my question. So it's trapped here? I think it only has its domain here. Yeah. Maybe because of the runes in the trees? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, this is speculation. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because it was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, Too fast. (laughs) (laughs) It's just shaking its hoof or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) It had human hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's shaking its fist. Sorry about that. Um, Skip forward if you don't want to hear any spoilers about the book, but I'm going to touch on it. Again, it is still worth reading. I'm not going into every single detail. This is going to be the very Cliff Notes version. Um, But Luke is brought to a place that is much bigger than the cabin where he's kept captive here. Uh And he's being kept by three. They're like barely 20. They're like older teens. 
two dudes and a girl. One of the girl, one of the dudes is named Loki, <laughs> and the girl is Loki's girlfriend. Okay. So they are in a heavy metal band mm. and moonshiners. So they have they're living with this woman who I'm assuming is portrayed as the witch in in the movie. Mm-hmm. She's not related to them. Luke is like hypothesized that they've come to stay here and she's kind of just allowing it to happen. So long story short, he's brought here. Um, he tries to escape a couple times. He attacks one of the dudes. They beat the fuck out of him. Like they beat him until he passes out multiple times. When he's kept in his room, he hears all this scurrying and this weird shit on the floor above him. Cause like this place is big and it sounds like whatever it is is small and he assumes that it's children being kept up there and he's trying to talk to them and trying to make contact and nobody answers him. So eventually he's brought outside and they show him um, there's this thing in the trees and it's a God and that old lady can talk to it and she can bring it out. And um, they bring him outside to show him that they've put Dom up in the tree. They're the ones doing this for that creature. Mm. So he's, understandably upset and um he's like you're you're lying there is no creature out here like this god or whatever doesn't exist because they're like we hate christians and we blah 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 like it's very like um oh we're edgy teens or whatever and so he's basically (laughs) like you guys are a fucking joke like my friends had families blah blah blah, whatever so they're like okay well uh, we're gonna show you some freaky shit and they take him upstairs with that lady and up there it's not children it's like what he finds in the attic here but they're like people on top and like their legs are like hooved and they're the ancient ones quote unquote that's what they're called and i guess the witch the old woman takes care of them so he is going to be sacrificed. They tell him that they set him up. He like is so badly beaten and stuff that he can't move. He can't fight anymore. So they set him up. The witch bathes him, like gives him some stew. And then they take him outside and they put him on this big cross. And so they're like, okay, like do your thing. They're telling the old lady, like call, call her. And it's modern. That's what it like mother. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, female entity creature whatever so um she goes out there with them and she's like no she just goes back inside she's like i'm not i'm not doing it luke is screaming at them cussing at them calling them like calling them names and you know whatever and she refuses to do it and she goes back in the house and they're all fucking pissed well luke ends up passing out and he wakes back up in in the room that they've been keeping him in and he's naked and the old woman has given him back his switchblade and so he realizes, oh, she wants me to take them out. So he does. He goes downstairs. He uses the knife until he finds a gun down there just like this. And he kills the two dudes. He tries to go kill the, the girl, but she sprints off into the woods. So he finds the old lady upstairs singing and calling Mater out of the woods. And he's like, you used me. Because she didn't want them to have it. Mm -hmm. You used me to get rid of them and you're still going to fucking sacrifice me. (laughs) So he ends up shooting her and then her dress flips up and she's got hooved feet. (laughs) Because he keeps talking about how loud her tiny feet are. He says that because he hears her stomping around constantly. But she's one of them. 
Are, are okay. Yeah. So then, <laughs> Mater does come out of the woods, and the girl's body that fled, she is like thrown out. So she killed her. Okay. He gets the keys. He gets in the teen's truck, and he takes off. Well, it's this big, you know, whatever. It's a chase scene. This thing is fast. It's catching up to him. The truck is starting, and then it stalls, and then he has to start again. Da da da. So he's running, and then um, she breaks through his windshield. And he takes his switchblade and stabs her and he's able to get away. And as he's wandering through the forest, he is like kind of succumbing to these thoughts of just being grateful to be alive and taking a little bit of time because he's realizing that that's all that any of us have is a little bit of time because they were the ones, you know, fucking around with immortality and yeah. whatever. But that is the novel. Hmm. Interesting. Very yeah. different. I was surprised. I was like, oh, yeah. You're in a metal band. It's called like <laughs> Blood Frenzy, their, their band. Hmm. And they're like, you've never heard of so and so, man. Like, it's wild. Like, compared to having seen the movie. Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I give you a good review, will you yeah, let me go? Can I get the fuck out of here, please? It's a completely different thing. Yeah. And yeah. it's like the last third of the book. So it also takes a turn. Yes. Yeah. That is unexpected. Yes. Okay. Hmm. But that's I'm assuming what the the metal the dudes, um, yeah little Easter egg okay yeah okay so what do you guys think about the book or the movie <laughs> <laughs> of the book first I'm gonna be honest I prefer what we have in the movie mm-hmm. I don't know how <laughs> that would translate to film well d- you said that he said that they couldn't make it work. Yeah, I think they had trouble reconciling all of that and maybe getting the rights to bl- what Blood Frenzy was. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I do have to say, friend of the show, Emma Hegel Kissinger, mm-hmm. messaged me just before this recording, said a rare example of the movie being better than the book, having heard. I'm going to have to agree with Emma. I I agree with both of you. I like the ending that we get in the film better. And that is very rare. Like Emma was saying, I I hardly ever say that. Yeah. But that being said, it was a good read. I did enjoy it. And I did have a really bad nightmare last night, but I don't know if that was because of the book. I was up reading it at 2 a.m. Were you in the woods? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to ask. So. What did you guys think of the ritual? I um I I enjoyed this movie. I I do agree that the the last part of it is a little different. Um but hearing that about the book, yeah, I I I much more prefer what's happening here. I was just like because a lot of it is so close, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, I I seem to remember you telling us the novel of dr sleep right mm-hmm. and how that ended in us being like what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. i have to admit uh, it's uh, very similar yeah <laughs> um but i but i would recommend the movie even if you just watch it the once go ahead and check it out it's very very beautiful i didn't know that about them uh filming and using a lot of the practical stuff that honestly just gave it 
more points for me yeah because that it all looks really good and me even sitting there being like man how, how, oh they had to use cgi whatever but how good it looks thinking about it it's like that's fucking great because it it all does look really good um the i i would have liked a little more lore on the creature and what's going on but i mean i guess we got a uh, quick what whatever's going on um, she's like listen your ritual started yeah yeah <laughs> that, yeah you think we're scared of him no we worship him yeah, yeah. No. So, <laughs> and your ritual is starting yeah. he's our friend and so yeah. will you <laughs> but it is i do enjoy the story of the friends it it is very sad at the beginning or tragic what happens and then them going on this journey and then the things going the way they were and i mean i guess he was right uh luke was the strongest of them i he was mean, he made it out. Um, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the shit out of this movie. I But I do agree. I'm not in the, uh, like, mesmerized by it. I do really like the movie, though. I think it was the second viewing that kind of, because maybe the first viewing, I was so shocked at the turn that it took. Yeah. And then the second time, I'm like, I just, you know, and I know that there's seeds planted along the way. Yeah, yeah. Things they find in the attic of that cabin the runes on the trees, mm -hmm. but it just, the way that it unfolds feels so different from everything that came before it. Right. He's fucking shooting people and punching people in the face. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's just, it's, and then it's odd. And then the host or whatever is like, just uh, reading from a page. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just, it just, she gives him a welcome pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> It just, I don't know. It just uh, seemed to take a different turn for me that was not near as successful as the atmosphere they built in the first two acts. Okay. And I also feel like the theme of grief and um, guilt are kind of lost. Mm -hmm. When we're going through how it ends, it just seems like, well, who, you know, kneels better or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's not that, but it's like, this is all that you have to do. And I'm like, if to me, if we're doing this character arc with Luke, shouldn't he have saved Dom? Shouldn't you know? There's got to 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 make the first cold open bit make sense for this thing to be hanging over them. For the thing that he didn't do, maybe he does now. For it to come full circle, yeah. Or he would have died so that Dom could get away. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I I seen it that he he told them what to do and instead of him bowing down and being like no he did he set the place on fire he attacked the thing and he he got free yeah i took it as him standing up because yeah, that the word coward was used multiple times and instead of just cowering and letting himself be kind of subjugated to this creature he was like no fuck you stab run yeah <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. There's just. I love how receptive you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I understand and I respect that. I just think that there's just something about the third act that just doesn't work for me, and I'm still trying to define it. I don't know if it's just the way that it feels so separate and so different. At least it is not. I think the novel would have been too jarring. Yeah. When there's nothing in this that makes that even. I don't. See a connection at all, <laughs> frankly. But I don't know. I just, um, I liked the quiet, surreal moments of these nightmares 
versus him punching a witch in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> it was. Oh, and those teens had already killed nine people. I think I forgot to mention that. Like I said, there's so much. Like, just still read the book if you're interested. <laughs> there's so much. Um, but I still really enjoy this movie a lot. I will say, um, I am a little confused about, like I said, Phil's trajectory. Mm-hmm. And it was this, it was also Phil, Phil in the novel, and Phil died in the same sequence in the novel. So, I mean, it's not an issue of adapting it that's what the story is Mm -hmm. so that aspect of it does confuse me a little bit especially what we end up seeing the creature as and what the creature requires in the film it would just make so much more sense if that were luke um so that kind of baffles me a little bit (laughs) and uh my issue with the third act is it, it feels very fast yeah which i yeah you know maybe it it Maybe it needs to, but I don't know. Dom getting dragged away, and then it sounded like he's being killed, and then it's like, no, sit back down. Like, <laughs> what? Like some of the like, some no, we just roughed him up. Yeah. <laughs> they did some yeah. of the pacing. I think in the because I've seen a lot of people complain about the first two acts being too slow. Um, which I don't, per- I don't agree I, with. Yeah. No, I I liked the pace of that. Yeah, and so I feel like maybe that's what kind of feels a little strange is in comparison to what the film has been. Mm-hmm. And I will give you that it does feel different. Um, but I feel like that's my issue with it. Uh, and she she was oversharing a little bit, but <laughs> I feel like it it is a little bit of an info dump. But I. I appreciate us understanding to an extent what is happening. I think Mm -hmm. what kind of confuses me is that Hutch seemed to have some kind of knowledge of the history of this region. Yeah. Why don't we just have Hutch vaguely more in like, because he was already talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. But then he can't be the one that's like, no, 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 everything's fine. Yeah. He can't have all that knowledge and still dismiss everything. Well then give Phil something to do. That's the thing. That is what's like, It would have made more sense if you gave the naked prayer to Luke. It would have made more sense if you gave this piece to Phil. Yeah. Just little stuff like that. But I think like if you zoom out, it's it's fine. It's not anything that breaks the movie or ruins the movie for me. But it's just a couple things where I'm like, man, if that would have been tweaked, I, I, I wouldn't be sitting here being like, but it would have made more sense. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's just it's nitpicky. But I'm like, I kind of wonder why they didn't do that. Yeah. But I mean, I, since I'm already rambling, we can kind of just go into, into ratings. <laughs> um, I think that the ritual is so creepy. I recommend it to anyone, even if only to see that creature in the third act. Because like you said, that is something that you are not going to forget. You are going to take that with you. Mm-hmm. That is an experience. I feel like it is such a slow burn for so much of it that when shit finally starts popping, especially the first time you watch it, you kind of don't even have time to catch your breath and be like, but wait, why was Phil the one in the, like you're not thinking like that. You're just blown away. And so like y'all said, I think that that's why on subsequent viewings, you're like, wait a minute. But that first one, I was like, I've never seen some shit like this. (laughs) It is. It's so good. Yeah. I still feel like it's so good. And I think that where it kind of, 
I don't want to say outshines the book, but kind of is this theme of grief and redemption, not necessarily that, you know, objectively Luke needs to quote unquote redeem himself, but clearly to him he does. And this arc of him finding his strength and his bravery when he didn't have it before, it works for me. Okay. Even though he did lose all of his friends. (laughs) 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 But I feel like it has some really interesting things to say about guilt and about grief and about friendship, um, especially long-term friendships and kind of the complexities that you find in friend groups. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is a thing. But... I already said the things that kind of didn't work for me. <laughs> Overall, I think that this is fantastic. I think that it should be seen. I feel like people don't, I know I just read off like nine requests, but I feel like people don't talk about it as much as it should be talked about. I feel like it was like kind of quietly put on Netflix and you know, yeah. I think that it's a really great movie. It has a couple things here and there, but overall I think it's, I think it's really great. So on a scale from one to 10 tragic trips, I am going to give The Ritual 8.5 out of 10 tragic trips. It's not perfect. There are a couple things that don't really fit or work fully for me. But overall, I think that this is a really great film. It is so interesting narratively and so interesting visually. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will now open up the floor to you. No, yeah, I agree. I I I don't know if I'll go that high, but I do agree that the movie is is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The I really enjoyed the creature design. I was like, holy shit, this is fucking frightening. If you've seen that for real, I mean, are you kidding? Yeah, <laughs> yes, just give me a pi- a pillow so I can kneel. Just, uh, <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> but but it 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 is. Hearing the book, I I will say that I feel like I'm. I don't I, I don't mean it to sound wrong, but I'm glad that this is what we got instead of what we got in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is a I would I would even say this is a good movie to watch with somebody on their first watch, just mm-hmm. so you can see their reaction. Um, I I also do agree that. The rewatchability, you probably need some time to kind of get a little bit of that magic back. Mm-hmm. It it is good, but then there are times when again, uh Hutch he just keeps with the no, it's all right. Like <laughs> like you said, it seems like he's just doing that to do that constantly. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be opposite of whatever anybody's saying, or and I get the positive thing and he's trying, but it does come to a point and there is a time and where it's like, dude. You've experienced all this with us. Please stop fucking playing around like it's not. We're not in danger out here. It's like, you know, we're in danger. Stop saying things are fine. We're lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fuck who? Where's the map? You, you kick the map. <laughs> and it the right off the what the fuck? Yeah, why? <laughs> it's like, yeah. no. Um, uh, again, though, he didn't say anything about the compass not moving. He mm-hmm. didn't. You know what I mean? It was like, dude, come on. But I did enjoy this, and I did still like it watching it again for the show. Um, I I think a, learning a lot about it is gonna help 
my rating for the movie because I didn't know that a lot of that they did on location. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I was waiting to hear too, because I was like, man, how did they do this shit looks fucking great. Um, also the Mortal Kombat trees help a lot. I was like, <laughs> I was like dude, hell yeah. Um, but all that, I would recommend the movie, um, the rewatchability and eh, take it some time. You know what I mean? Take a little time. Uh, but for me, on a scale of one to ten, terrifying trips, tragic, tragic trips, tragically terrifying trips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give the ritual. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like I said, I didn't learning learning about what they put into the movie is like, mm -hmm. man, that's fucking great. Um, but not being able to watch it right away after watching it again is kind of like, yeah, you know. Um, I'm gonna give the ritual a seven point five. I did enjoy the movie, and I know that might not sound too high for as much as I'm saying I like it, but I will agree again, like what you said. I'm I don't love the movie. I like the movie. Mm -hmm. I really like the movie, but going over that, I I I would lie if I said that I loved the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> we don't want to lie on yeah, here. I don't, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> we don't lie. Yeah, no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I 100% agree on all the positive points. Mm -hmm. um, the real saving grace for me is the way the film looks. Yeah. The visuals that will stay with you, mm -hmm. the cinematography, of course, but these nightmares. Yeah. These transitions between the forest and this liquor store. Yeah. It's very, very impressive and brilliantly realized. Mm -hmm. The performances are fantastic. I think that the music is wonderful. Yeah. You know, there's so much going for it that I just feel like it, it, it's got to be to me either the screenplay. I think it is the screenplay, at least with whatever happens in the third act. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't measure up to everything else around it. Okay. And everything that came before it. Mm-hmm. I do have a thought and I don't even, it might, it, it's not coming from me. It's just a potential reading of the film that I feel like could be seen as a cynical person's view. It's not my view. Okay. <laughs> it's just, You're it's, uh, like already. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like somebody. You're already backtracking. Well, it sounds like it is your yeah, view. <laughs> it's not my view at all. It's a, it's a view of a friend of mine. Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> ask his name. I haven't thought of a fake name. <laughs> no, I'm just. He look. lives in Canada. <laughs> Goes to another school. Uh, all I'm saying is that <laughs> when when we look at Luke's character arc, mm -hmm. I I feel like it could be seen in a very cynical way that he did what he always did, which was self preservation. He did what needed to be done to save himself both times, and I feel like that's not the message of the film, but it could be read that way, and that's kind of upsetting. I don't read it that way though. Neither do I. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of feel like you do. No, I'm just I'm just saying that just for me that that's that's a lack of clarity in in the theme. Okay. Okay. Because I feel like what I want is more if we're going to explore these big concepts of guilt and grief, we got to see that through. Well, I mean those moments where he's telling Dom, "I am not leaving you." Like we're it we're and I mean he didn't leave him. 
Dom was taken. He broke yeah. his own fucking thumb trying to get to him. Yeah, but it felt like he was breaking his thumb to get out. <laughs> 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 it's not my view. That was your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think you don't have a friend in Canada. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I'm thinking outside of me. <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud. You know, because I, I just, look. So I, your score is a four. <laughs> no, no I, I, I'm just, you know, thinking. I have thinking someone else's thoughts. Yeah, yeah get these out of <laughs> my brain. Who who put these thoughts in my brain? Uh I it's just it's just the thought that came to me. It just was interesting to bring up a different perspective. Not mine. <laughs> we got it. We got it. <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud. It's just a, a, a reading of the film that I think to me is definitive of this lack of clarity in the purpose. Okay. That's all. all. That's all I'm trying to say. (laughs) That's all your friend is trying to say. I'll I'll text them and tell them it didn't go over well. (laughs) Did not go over well with the group. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say what is good about the film is good about the film. Yeah. There are these issues with the film, Phil, etc. that we did say and then what my friend texted me <laughs> or whatever anonymously. <laughs> anonymously don't have to throw him under the bus <laughs> like i've been run over but i i just i do think that this is one to see because there there is so much here that is remarkable yeah but this is a very difficult one for me to score because of my view on the third act mm-hmm. so for me i think out of 10 tragic trips I am going to commend the surreal nightmares and bump it up 0.5, giving the ritual seven tragic trips out of 10. Okay. All right. Not my view. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate the ritual and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like our Stairhole Productions page on Facebook. Be sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Thanks again to Original Cinematic for sponsoring this week's episode. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, while there is always room for sentimentality, There are times where there is simply no recapturing what has been lost. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special thank you to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Woo! Yeah! Yeah, you did it! (laughs) A special thank you to... Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Jennifer Perez, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ and Angie Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Sidney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, J.D. Rezac, Molly Gerhard, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggy, William Berry, Brittany Ramatar, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, 
Jordan Roberts, Dylan, Melissa Sierra, Holly Bryan, Jordan Blevins, Liz Heath, Spencer Montavo, Pancake the Panda, John Ramos, Michael Newding, Alexis Roberts, Dan Laveau, Itzy M, Gary Horton, Leisha Olivier, Kate Lamp, Carlos and Sydney, Jessica Hunter, Helena Rudder, Alan Johnston, Mariah, Livy Fun, Mandy M, Scott Troutman Wise, Towton Watson, Mozzie Bear, Brittany G, Dave Burke, Adrian Stakes, Daniel McGinnis, Nick Spill, Emma Hagel Kissinger, Valerie G, Emiliana, Brian Glass, CB, Taylor Santana, Will Lewison, Angelique, Smelly Poo Poo Head, Beth Bauer, Cookie, Esperanza J, Jason Kyle, OKC, Joshua Rumley, Danielle Peralta, Brandon, Nicholas Carter, Sawyer Reese Farr, Dr. Diva Loves Horror, Girl That's Scary, Cassandra, Andrea Simmons, Ashley Higuera, William and Zena Rush, Ryan Brom, Megan Ochoa, Laura Lassiter, Natalie de Guzman, Eileen O, Marissa E, Sydney, Henry F, Megan M, Strangely Sarah, Christy Beck, Nancy and Andy, Amanda Lopez, Andy Terrell, Jason Hanavan, Abigail Spitzer, Katie K, Erica Morin, Cameron S, Nicole Stewart, Tris Wynn, K.87, Mariah Jensen, Carrie A, Lonnie Lono, Powell, Kayla E, Maggie H, Fernando Dominguez, Murder Stina, No Thanks Tom Hanks, Kevin McGonigal, Kristen Marcy, Ori 81 Boricua, Look Like That One Girl, Bog Boy, Felnez 63, Alita Pui, Probably My Jugs, Kate Thackeray, Wade Pack, A Lizard, Bay J, Jay Rich, Jen Lassiter, Topher Williams, Elena Mettler, Neil Chesson, Valerie Kay, Christy Lee Kruger, Professor of Humanities Laura McCarricker, Naomi, Josh Smith, Autumn Green, Jess L, Heather Santeano, Abby Kopp, Crystal 831, Cassidy Carruthers, Skank Sinatra, Morgan Alexander, Tony Osteen, Julie Fredborg, Rihanna S, Daniel Taylor, Anna Kate, Heather Ortiz, Jen T, Kim H, Dana Cook, August, Vengeance Spirit, Ernest Acquisition, Sam J. Green, Kelly Glazyface Mac, Cindy Palmer, Jenny May, Zoe Marie, and Glittery Fab. Thank you all so much. Thank you. We love you all. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Truly, we appreciate you all so much that without y'all, we'd be lost. Oh, like the woods. Like those men. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time.